Today's podcast is sponsored by First Amendment Comedy Takeover, July 23rd to the 28th. Go to factphilly.com. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. And now, Preston and Steve's news update with Kathy Romano. Today is Thursday, August. August. <laughs> do not give away our summer. I can't do that. <laughs> it's June 6th. Good morning, Kathy. Thankfully. Good morning. In the news this morning, the five beaches are silent at dawn but forever haunted. As the sun rose Thursday over the Normandy coastline where thousands of men bled and died 75 years ago, a fast diminishing number of World War II veterans remembered D-Day and hoped the world never forgets the sacrifices made to dismantle Nazi tyranny. The Sea of Mercury Blue couldn't have been more peaceful as the day broke over Omaha Beach, the first of five codenamed beaches where the waters ran red the morning of June 6, 1944, when Allied forces came ashore to push the Nazis out of France. Hundreds of people, civilians and military alike, hailing from around the world, gathered at the water's edge, remembering the troops who stormed the fortified Normandy beaches to help turn the tide of the war and give birth to a new Europe since at peace. At the West Western edge of Omaha, dense crowds formed a human chain and tossed red and white uh, flowers into the gently lapping waves. Uh, veterans descended, descendants spoke about family members who fought on the beach and laid red roses at the feet of a statue. Army medic Ray La- uh, Lambert saved many people on D-Day before his own four wounds forced him to be evacuated. But as he stands on the Normandy Beach ahead of the battle's 75th anniversary, the 98-year-old told the Associated Press he thinks most about the ones he couldn't help. Tom Rice, a 97 a 97-year-old ex-paratrooper parachuted into Normandy on the anniversary. Passing on memories is especially urgent with hundreds of World War II veterans now dying every day. I spent a lot of time immersed in, and there was just tons of, of incredible programming on last night. And I've, maybe it was Nat Geo had it, but they had uh, Preston, I'd never seen before, color a lot of color footage mm-hmm. of the D-Day uh, invasion. And it you know, we were so used to seeing it in, in archival black and white sure, yeah. that th- there was, uh, I found myself, you know, like crying because it was like, oh, you know, for some reason it, it breached that gap of, you know, I, oh, I certainly, the impact has never been lost on me, but that just that little extra thing was like, oh my God. Yeah. It, made it more real. It made it more real, yeah. you know, and more tangible. The French president and President Donald Trump will look over the Omaha Beach, the scene of the bloodiest fighting from the cemetery with grave markers for over 9,000 Americans. Police said a 31-year-old man was shot by his ex-girlfriend just feet from an entrance of an emergency room in Torresdale Wednesday night. The victim had been visiting sick family members at Jefferson Torresdale Hospital. Police say he was leaving about at about 10 o'clock when his ex-girlfriend appeared. He was walking past the emergency room entrance when the ex-girlfriend got out of the vehicle and fired four shots from a semi-automatic weapon, striking oh. the 31-year-old one time in the back. The victim was able to walk several feet into the doors of the emergency room. They basically said that that's why he survived, because he was right there. Yeah. All right, so are you not a allowed to remember i it was years ago you weren't allowed to be brought into the emergency room by hospital employees like you were or, or there's something along there's, those there's some rule i know i remember the conversation Wait, i don't remember the specifics of it like 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 employees can't go outside of the emergency room and help you in yeah something I, like that something really? like i that. do remember some odd thing Why? that happened that we talked about i, I believe I it's an insurance based so <clears> like the so the the ambulance has to br- or like those workers have to bring would have you to in. Bring you in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. It was. So, it was really. So are the workers inside, you know, like somebody who can barely cross the finish line at a race, going, "Come on, yeah. come on, come <laughs> on, you're almost there, you. you got this." <laughs> it almost seems like that's maybe just an urban legend. I don't know. Or, or, or we had some. Tale we had some verification based. 
There is some version of this that is true. There's right. obviously about 20 we've just said that are probably not true. But, <laughs> right. but one of them is true. Yeah, so when my, you know, my dad was, was really sick towards the, the end there, and we had taken him to the emergency room, and that particular hospital was just overrun that day. It was yeah. just a terrible, terrible, terrible series of events, and we were sitting there in the hospital, and it was it got so bad, Steve, and they weren't seeing him, and, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. This guy, there, there are like 40 people in here that have a cold, okay? And this guy is literally dying, and I was like, and I was so tempted, Steve, yeah. to just, because he was in a wheelchair, to wheel him out to the sidewalk and call 911 and have a, a, an, ambulance an ambulance come, come, get come him. and take him in, because that was the only way he would have been immediately mm. admitted into the, uh, to, I, the ER. I, it was crazy. I think that's probably the the, the, the rule, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be. I, we should call intern Joe. Doesn't I mean? Wouldn't he know? Uh, well, somebody's on that. We're we're gonna get somebody on the line. All right, right. Okay. yeah. Might we need clarity so here. I don't trust him. Kathy. Okay, yeah. No, that's true. I, I got it. Okay. I so, mean, listen. Wow. He's a he's a well respected neurosurgeon. No, he, he's he's a he's a rescuer. Hang on. Let me let me go to Allison. She works in an emergency room and can't explain. Allison, good morning. Hi, good morning, Gadzook. Gadzook, so can you shed a little light on this conversation? Uh, well, I know at least at our hospital, when um, an emergency happens on the campus or on the property, they call an emergency response, and there's specific members that go out and assess the situation. There are specific can- there are specific staff members that can go do that. Uh, correct. Okay, so they're there at the hospital. Right, right. So you can't so, just, working in the emergency room, you can't just walk outside of your doors and grab the person who's been shot? Uh, well, I don't work in the emergency room, but they, they would just call this team to come out and and be able to bring them in. So if, if you weren't part of that team, you would you would kind of alert. The appropriate staff. All right, so from what I'm saying, you you have to be a you have to be a member of this team that that they cannot. From what it sounds like, you're saying you or any any other individual not on this team could not go out and retrieve this person. You could you can go out and help them, but they they bring out special equipment and they can get like a stretcher and that kind of thing. What if they're in the vestibule? Is that okay? Um, it's like the Continental Preston, you know. In John you have Lake. to make it across. Yeah, you the have to, yeah, yeah. Put yeah. your hand down on the step. You're okay. Yeah. I don't know. That didn't clear it up for it me. It really didn't. It really didn't. What so, if you were to mail yourself to the emergency room? I mean, there's like, right. yeah. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate it. But we have another caller on the line who uh, works <laughs> as an EMT. Maybe we'll see. Hi, Jamie. You're on the air. Good morning. No, I'm ET. Oh no. no, no, no. Hey, thank you. What's up, Jamie? Hey, so, yeah, I've been an EMT for about 10 years out in uh, Chester County. Um, it, it depends a lot on the hospital, from my experience. But, yeah, most of the time they'll have some sort of uh, somebody who will go outside from the hospital staff. But then most of the time they also call an ambulance. I've been dispatched to multiple different hospitals multiple different times for exactly that. So to, to clarify help somebody inside the actual hospital doors? No, for people outside the hospital. So, like, if you were out in the parking lot to Nick's comment that, pushing your family member outside to get quicker service and then you call 911. I've had that situation happen to me and it doesn't get you faster service. It just pretty much makes everybody angry in the process. All right, so no. but, but but that 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 no to, to, to Casey's point. Yeah, so so <laughs> yeah. but if you are like 15 yards out in the parking lot, um an ambulance has to be called to get you inside that way. Correct. You've collapsed. You're outside your car. They can't just come out and grab you. An ambulance has to come get you and bring you in. So I'm saying it depends on the facility. Okay, all right. We'll have 
will have somebody who will go outside, and then they will usually also send an ambulance just in case wow. um, for whatever reason. Because I mean, I could see, I, I could see because my mom worked in a hospital for years, and I they, I mean, they're they have specific things that they need to do. I could see. If How only there was be, a building you, near you that could help no, no, you. But yeah. like they would be leaving their post, their patients, and you don't. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? To, here, to, to go out, so maybe it has something to do with staffing. This speaks to the last caller. I'm going to go to Lou. Hey, Lou. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good, Lou. It says here you're a nurse. Yes, I am actually. All right, and uh, how about restrictions on getting patients uh, if they're outside that's, of the building? That's bogus. We do it all the time. I mean, patients pull up to the ER doors all the time, and you just go out and get them. Right. Uh, so so, so like the last yeah. caller said, I guess it might depend on your particular hospital's policy. Yeah, but, but generally, if somebody's outside the door, we just did it yesterday. A lady was having a heart attack. She pulled up. We sparked it, and we walked her right in. So okay. Yeah, no like that's deal. what yeah. I mean. If somebody's, if someone's somebody's having a heart attack. out on the sidewalk. You, you Come on, you can there. do it. I know. Like Russ is saying. Come on. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight, yeah. fight, fight. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. Appreciate it. Brick a heart attack, or you're our girl. Run, girl. Run, girl. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, they do have a cheer team. Yeah, you did it, buddy. You now you can wait for an hour and a half. The magazines are over It's like there. in a restaurant uh, when they, there's a birthday, they call the entire staff yeah, over. Yeah. And they have a little cheer, a little chant that they Happy do. Happy Heart attack, rectal probe. Now it's time to put on the show. <laughs> All right. Well, this guy was able to get himself inside the doors of the emergency room. So he didn't have to worry about that. He was listed in stable condition and is speaking with officers. He told police that he had been with his ex-girlfriend for several years uh, and that they had had ongoing problems. The entire encounter was captured on hospital surveillance footage. So police are uh, pretty confident that they'll find this woman. I was at the ER one time and it wasn't like life threatening or anything like that, but right. there was a guy who was dropped off who was just shot. We were at Lankanaw. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> they, it, they, it was like, get out. They, you know, they like, basically pushed him out of the car. And they drove took away. Off? And then he walked in, dripping blood all over the place. Wow. Pretty wow. crazy. It's okay, yeah. everybody. I'm in radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. Sporadic explosions are rattling neighborhoods in Northampton County. A resident from Washington Township says that she has been hearing explosions for weeks, but most recently it sounded so close, uh, she said it sounded like a bomb went off in her front yard. Wow. Many others who live in the rural part of Northampton County say someone has been randomly detonating explosives since last March. It's. Uh, it sounds like, I'm sorry, since late March, it sounds like uh, similar to... Uh, that other guy that was setting these off. Yeah, it does. The most recent occurred this past Monday, one at 9 p.m., and then another one right after at about 1045. Residents say all these explosions seem to take place in different parts of the town. Recently, though, investigators received a break in the case. Two local residents called police reporting suspicious devices on their properties. In both cases, authorities arrived to find undetonated explosives. Both devices have been uh, diffused and are now being examined for clues. Local and county authorities say this case has been and will continue to be a top priority until an arrest is made. It's unclear how many explosions there have been, but neighbors simply say there have been a lot. Fortunately, no injuries have been reported. So far, though, there have been no-name suspects and no one has been arrested. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Washington Township Police Department. In sports this morning...
Adam Hazley drove in the go-ahead run in the eighth inning with his first big league hit, and the Phillies rallied from a three-run deficit to beat the Padres 7-5 yeah. yesterday afternoon. And uh, Hazley made his uh, major league debut on Tuesday as center fielder for the National League leading, leading Phils, who have to reconfigure the outfield. Odubel Herrera has been on administrative leave since May 28th while he is investigated under baseball's domestic violence policy, and Andrew McCutcheon tore his left ACL on Monday. The team acquired Jay Bruce from Seattle on Sunday. The Phils are off today before Zach Eflin will open up a three-game series back at home against the Cincinnati Reds this weekend. Kawhi Leonard scored 30 points on a night. Steph Curry scored a playoff best 46 for the Warriors and the Raptors beat the injured Golden State 123 to 109 for a 2-1 series lead. Curry also had eight rebounds and seven assists, but couldn't do it all for the two-time defending champions who are without starters Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and key backup Kevin Looney because of injuries. Durant, a two-time reigning NBA Finals MVP, has been sidelined nearly a month because of a strained right calf. Game four is tomorrow night in Oakland, where the Warriors fans will be hoping for the return of Durant and Thompson. And the Stanley Cup Finals continues tonight with a pivotal game five taking place in Boston. Bruins captain Zdeno Charo was not at the Garden yesterday as the team practiced. A likely sign that the defenseman will not be available to play tonight. Ahmed reports that he has a broken jaw after a puck to the face in game four. The Bruins and St. Louis Blues are tied at two games apiece. The puck drops tonight at 8 o'clock. And that's what I have for you this morning. Thank you very much, Kathy. Let's get right into it. We're going to find out who the coolest teacher from Lansdale Catholic High School was as of... This morning, we uh, went through and tallied up all the votes, and thank you to everybody who chimed in and let us know who they thought uh, was deserving of the honor, and sure enough, we got ourselves a winner. So, let's reveal who that was. According to Lansdale Catholic, the coolest teacher of the past year has been Mrs. Jennifer Cooney. She is a mathematics teacher. Uh, we know that about her. And the other thing that we found out is that last year, her daughter was valedictorian. Wow. At Lansdale Catholic, which is pretty cool. So Get her on the phone. We would like to congratulate Jennifer Cooney, Mrs. Jennifer Cooney at Lansdale Catholic, and set her up with the coolest teacher of the year coffee mug and also a $50 What a Crock Meals gift card. So congratulations to you, and maybe we'll hear from Miss Cooney at some point. This morning. So, I have a question. What I don't know, is this the, this the last one we're going to uh, choose? Two more. So, we will have voting over the weekend yep. and reveal um, a Monday winner, and then we're going to wrap it up for the year. All right. All right, Steve Morrison. Is or no, no, it's Casey. Casey. Yeah. Casey's Holy next, and Steve, you get the honor of doing the last one oh, tomorrow. wow. But Casey, who is it going to be this time? Uh, He's holding the container high above it. his head. He has now raised the slip of paper into the air, unfolding it, and oh. revealing. Okay. Staying in Pennsylvania, we're going to stay in the Catholic school uh, sector here, and we're going LaSalle College High School in Winmore Beach. Yeah. Yeah. LaSalle College High School, yeah, in Winmore Beach, Winmore, in Winmore. I didn't even know that was a town. I didn't either. Well, you know, you learn things. It's educational too. So uh, we need you guys to now vote. This is uh, LaSalle College High School. You need to text the word teacher followed by the teacher's name to 39333, one vote per phone number. And tomorrow morning we will find out who that winner is going to be. I think it's right off of 309, unless I'm mistaken. I think it's right by Arcadia College. Okay. Oh. Uh, you guys know where Arcadia is. It's yeah. a really yes. cool campus. It's a beautiful it prep is. school in the area. It's like one of the higher, you know, like 
You got your Malvern Prep, your St. Joe Prep, oh, Devon Prep. Is it right off 309? Yes. Yes, right. I yeah. pass it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so uh, Chris Matthews went there from Hardball, and uh, uh, Tom Gizzy, who's a football player. And oh, the, the Gizzer. Gizzer. Oh. <laughs> right on it, Preston. <laughs> John McDermott, yo, Casey. Yo, Gizball. <laughs> Who? Sean McDermott. Oh, Sean McDermott. Yeah. Yeah, who's, who's he? Okay. He invented the elevator. Well, he coaches the Buffalo Bills now. He's the former defensive coordinator for the Eagles and the Carolina yeah. Panthers. I, and now. Where he had time to do all that inventing. Yeah. All right. Some notables. That's cool. All right, guys, we want to hear your votes, so uh, please get in touch. And like I said, we'll give you about uh, 24 hours to do that. Uh, we have a full day on the program today. Hopefully, you're going to stay for all of it. And I, it's funny. It's uh, it's bizarre what I get nervous about. The people that I, I am most excited to meet, I always get nervous to interview uh, and we have a few of those today. Uh, we have Pete Rose. Yes. be on the show today. Hall of Famer. Well, sort of. Uh, well, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. One of the greatest to ever play the game. Let's put it that way. Uh, he has a new book. It's called Play Hungry, The Making of a Baseball Player. And he's got a book signing tonight at uh, Doylestown Bookshop. 7 o'clock. By the way, uh, for his appearance, if you want to get autographs and so on, he's only signing the book. So you need to buy the book. And you'll get the autograph and so forth tonight. Seems like a good deal. So he will be there this evening. Uh, we also have Jack White. Yeah. The Raccoon Tours have their new album called Help a Stranger. It is out on the 21st of this month. We've been playing the song Sunday Driver, which I absolutely love. And Jack is going to give us a call this morning just to talk about uh, the new album and what's going on in his world. He doesn't do that a lot. No, he doesn't. So doing research on him, there are not a lot of Jack White interviews. Yeah, so uh, it's cool that we've uh, had this it's opportunity. very cool. Uh, and then, uh, so I'm a little nervous about talking to Jack White. Yeah. He's a great musician, and I'm a fan. And then, uh, and then a guy who is, he's a guitar hero to me. Paul Gilbert is going to be in our studio today. He's performing in Ardmore Music Hall, and it's interesting. You may not know the name, but he is a he is a guitar hero. He is one of the greatest in the world. His ability, his technical ability, is absolutely mind boggling. So, my brother, who's uh, years ago, I've told the story about taking my brother to go see Ingve Malmsteen, and he's so he's a massive guitar fan and guitar player himself. And he said, he he, when I told him this, he was like, oh. Oh, he says he's he sort of was just sort of unfairly lumped in with shredders, yep. but his technique and capability is far exceeding the you know the normal type yeah. rock guitarist. He's up there with with Ingve and Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen in their speed and technical ability. He's that good, uh, and he does mainly instrumental uh, guitar. In fact, his album is called "Behold Electric Guitar," ah. uh, and it's instrumental. It's really cool. It's jazzy, bluesy, rock, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so Paul is coming by this morning. He's going to perform in our studio, and I'm excited about that. Well, you know, you've been playing the guitar. Are we going to have a guitar oh, off? Jesus. Yes. I, we, I, let's do that. No, I haven't touched the guitar <laughs> really? in, in months because I, I got back to playing drums. That's true, yes. Now, so I've set the guitar aside, and I've mainly focused on getting my uh, drum world back together. So, no, there will be no... All right, no guitar off? No guitar All off right. today. So, uh, but... Uh, but Paul has played with um, other people. He, he and Mike Portnoy have had several projects together. So, you know, he's of that elite musician status. So it's going to be really cool to have him by and performing this morning. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a second. It's already 6.30. What the hell happened? Oh, man. Uh, we should come right back. Sure. Yeah, let's do that because I want to get into the entertainment report and the uh, stupid question, all that stuff. So we'll be back right after these commercials. Stay with us. Love Preston and Steve and WMMR? Check out WMMR.com for more of everything that rocks. 
Don't miss the First Amendment Comedy Takeover, July 23rd through 28th. See the best in stand-up comedy along with some of your favorite podcasts, like readings, Q&As, and more at the Met Philadelphia, The Fillmore, TLA, and Punchline, like Burt Chrysler. We went ziplining, and we get there, and I start looking at other families, like, sizing us up, going, those parents look like they do CrossFit. Then I look at me and my wife, I'm like, oh, we look like crossing guards. Also, how did this get made with Jason Manzoukas and Paul Shearer, The Try Guys, Kill Tony, Daniel Schloss, Che Guerrera, and more. Tickets and info for all shows at factphilly.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. All right, so we're going to do the stupid question this morning. going to give away a $100 Fandango gift card. Ooh. And I'm asking a Preston and Steve Show question. Huh. Why should you always wear shoes to bed? Two one five two six three WMMR. Why should you always wear your shoes to bed? Two one five two six three WMMR. Call right now. I'm going to go through some birthdays today. It is Thursday, June sixth. Today is Tom Araya's birthday. Uh, he's in a band. Casey, could you say that name for oh, me? Oh yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Um, uh, Thank you. Anytime that I actually need to say the word Slayer, <laughs> let him do it. I'm going to have Casey do. I can't yell like that. Are the band is the band no longer touring now? Is that it for Slayer? This is their final tour, and they were in town recently. <laughs> they were my uh, two things. Uh, my cousin was there, and he posted some videos of like there were guys that I, I don't understand this, but they were doing sit ups in the uh, like a whole that's, bunch of them. I'm talking like Slayer hundreds thing. of sit ups. Yeah. Yeah. Slayer sit ups. <laughs> and then my other friend brought his like seventy something year old dad. The Slayer? The Slayer. That's yeah. phenomenal. It was Slayer. pretty great. Yeah. I love it. Uh, he is 58 years old today, by the way. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's time to hang it up. Yeah, but possible. Uh, you can only do that hardcore to a certain <laughs> age, and then you're done. Uh, the great Steve Vai. You know, I mentioned that uh, Paul Gilbert is going to be here, and I put him in the same category of guitarist as Steve Vai, who's one of the greatest in the world. It's his birthday today as well. Uh, yeah. He's played with the, the likes of uh, Frank Zappa and David Lee Roth's uh, solo career. He was uh, he was the guitarist in that group. Uh, Whitesnake, he did a, a turn in, and his solo stuff is unbelievable. Uh, he is 59 years old today. Uh, great actor Paul Giamatti. Yes. Uh, turns 52 today. Billions, I guess, the most recent of his uh, projects. You know, my parents are not uh, Howard Stern fans, but we watched uh, a bit of Private Parts the other night because they'd never seen uh, the WNBC scene. Yeah, oh, my God. And uh, my dad is now turned around a little bit on the movie because of Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he was great in that as Big Vomit. That is the Citizen Kane of radio movies. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I would absolutely agree. And I still love Sideways, you know, um, uh, Cinderella Man, a lot of great movies. I met him once. He he was in town promoting that John Adams miniseries and uh, that Tom Hanks was uh, the executive producer on. And uh, he could not have been a nicer guy. We had a three-minute interview with that, but he was really cool. He's 52 today. Sandra Bernhardt, the actress and comedian. Yes. She Uh, saw there's something new that she's in. I forget. We were just talking about it. Uh, If you could do a quick check on it, uh, Nick. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for the longest time, she was uh, best buds with Madonna. She's in uh, The King of Comedy. Very mm-hmm. funny. Did yep. they have a falling out, her and Madonna? They did have a falling out. Yep. Sandra Bernhard is uh, 64. Roseanne, today. Steve, maybe, or American Horror Story. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, so we also have Harvey Firestein celebrating his birthday. I just want to be loved. Yeah. He's uh, 67 years Great old. Great performance right? in Independence Day. <laughs> uh, he's great at Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. He is, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Robert England, uh, Freddy Krueger, who's been here a couple of times. He's always exactly what you want him to be. Yeah. You want him to be Freddy Krueger-esque. He happens to be a huge horror movie fan. Yeah. He's a great guy. He dives right into the yep. the, the lines and everything. So. Was uh, when they brought it back? He was. Oh, he's always Freddy Krueger. Like nobody else has been. Well, Freddy Krueger. Uh, Jack no, Earl uh, Haley. Haley, that's, Haley that's was right. in okay. that one remake. Yep. So he's seventy today. Uh, another actor, Jason Isaacs. Uh, who is uh, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter films. Yeah. And uh, he plays a good bad guy from time to time in The Patriot. Uh, he was in X-Men First Class. Uh, great actor. 56 years old today. And then the last birthday is Colin Quinn, uh, oh. former Saturday Night Live staff member, comedian, of course. One and, of my favorites. And a big one for him today. He is 60 years old. Let's see if we can find out an answer to this question. Why should you always... Wear your shoes to bed. It's a Preston and Steve show question. 215-263-WMMR is the number. And uh, let me go to, let's go to Derek. Hey, Derek, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Very yourself? Good. Derek, why should you always wear <laughs> shoes to bed? Just in case the deer breaks in? Yeah, if yeah! there's a deer in the house. Well done. Well done. Hang on, Derek. We're going to get your information. We are going to give you a $100 Fandango gift card. All this week, Metro by T-Mobile is giving you the opportunity to win Casey's favorite things. Hurry now to your nearest Metro store and take advantage of the best deal in wireless only at Metro by T-Mobile. You can see the store for details and terms and conditions. So congratulations to you. As I thought, we got a phone call. We have our coolest teacher. We need to go to them before we uh, get into the entertainment report. So let us uh, welcome... From uh, Lansdale Catholic, this is Mrs. Jennifer Cooney. Guys. Yeah. Hello, Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys today? We're we're wonderful. So uh, I understand you guys have been already been off for two weeks, right? No, no, no. That's uh, their current oh, high school. Gone. No, nope. no. All right. When, when are you guys done? Um, we are done next uh, next Thursday or Friday is our next day. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, we had graduation at the beginning of the week, so it's it's a great time. Okay. It's kind of a uh, no man's land now, right? It's actually was one of my favorite times at school when you were just winding around. And you, I think, as you get to the last days, aren't they usually like half days? Yeah, at the end of the school year, it's definitely half days. Uh, today is uh, my my big exam. I teach algebra too, and so I have a bunch of kids who have to take that today. Oh, so I know they're I know they're nervous. I think the definition of suck is a very difficult math test in warm weather. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and to add to that definition, first thing in the morning. So first thing yeah. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got all those covered. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting is that uh, as far as seniors go, because I have a senior, he's graduating uh, next week. Oh my God! Oh boy! Um, and and so he got to thank you. And so he got done with his his final actual classes yesterday. And I'm I'm like, you're done? He's like, well, just you know, we have exams left. And I thought about. It. I'm like, wait a minute, you're a senior. You're you already know where you're going to go to school next. Why do you even care at this point at all? It's got to be awesome. So uh, a wonderful frame of mind to be in. Uh, Jennifer, how long have you been teaching at Lansdale Catholic? I've been at Lansdale Catholic since 2002. Okay. okay and so 40 years. Wow, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. No, but uh, so you've obviously uh, made a great impression. I, I, yeah, I started there when I was like 16. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why, why do you think the kids voted for you this uh, for this honor? Um, I, you know what? I, I think they voted for me because, I, you know, I really, really, I love teaching there. I think it comes out in a lot of stuff that I do. And so I think the kids pick up on that. And I, I think that's why I guess they picked me. 
Well, that's very cool. All that resonates uh, and rings true. And the fact that you have what is traditionally a more difficult subject and you won this honor means that much more. So uh, are you going to display the mug that you're going to receive proudly or are you going to actually use it for coffee? Any plans yet or am I just bombarding you with too many questions? Uh, I mean, you know, it's all so much. I mean, uh, I will definitely uh, display it proudly. I will probably use it. I'm actually, and anyone who has had me knows I'm a Diet Coke fan, not a coffee fan. (laughs) So it will be used, it will be used not for coffee, for Diet Coke, but I will definitely use it. Thank you guys. So yeah. much. This is this is a lot of fun. No problem. Congratulations. Your daughter was valedictorian last year. Yeah, she was. I, I the, one of the nicest things is teaching it where my kids have gone to school. So I also had a senior this year, and I had a senior who graduated in 2015. Wow. Yep, and so, I'm a freshman. So. I wonder if it's if it's more cool for the parent teaching the in the school where the kids are. If it's the same for the kids in the school where the parents are teachers. Yeah, I'm not sure that they would have voted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure that would have yeah, happened. Uh, my I, guess I, is that, yeah. So is your daughter the only one who is valedictorian then? My my second daughter, my daughter who's currently at Drexel, is the only one who is valedictorian. But all my kids, are they all have their wonderful own gifts. You know they that. do. I mean, yeah. you got to have, you gotta have yeah. some dummies, too. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you got to say that. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. All right, well, congratulations, Jennifer. We have the uh, President Steve coffee mug, and we also have the uh, watercrockmeals.com uh, gift card for you, okay? I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. You bet. Let's hear it for Jennifer Cooney, yes. guys. She's very sweet. Coolest teacher, Lansdale Catholic, and now LaSalle College High School in Winmore is voting. So get on it. Get to it. We want to hear, and tomorrow morning we'll find out who that winner is. All right, I have some entertainment stories. Uh, Where do we begin? Let's start with this. Empire star Terrence Howard is under investigation by the federal government for criminal tax evasion. Oh, boy. According to documents obtained by the blast. Something tells me, Preston, he would not be in this situation had he have come come on the the show show when we saw him in both. What did you see him in the blind store? I saw him in Panera. Uh, No, I saw him in the the lighting store, Panera, Uh, and Casey in the the uh, guitar center. There you go. Could have put him on the right path. Approached him all three times, right? And still never... I, I I waved Nothing. knowingly at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. After all these stories, he doesn't sound like a nice guy. I know. <laughs> I know. No, Listen, he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Terrence is reportedly being probed for financial crimes, as is his third wife, Maria Howard. Uh, well, they got divorced. They were reengaged in December. Uh, Mira's company, Universal Bridges. Wait, they got. This is was the under, one is also under investigation. Sorry, this was they, they got re they got yeah, back together. So. Yeah, but is yeah. this the one that he was accused of of hitting? I don't remember. <laughs> Victor Fiorello one, so it's hard to say. Wasn't Victor Fiorello that did the the, 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 so, the extensive yeah. bid on him and his his reputation in the area? And and first he, first and second wives, uh, and not just accused, arrested, and um, charged with. So, so then that that would be no on, on this the third one. one. Kathy, okay. Yeah. Uh, so his ex Michelle Howard. Uh, Terrence was married to Michelle uh, from 2010-2013, is also still trying to collect on her financial settlement from him following their split. Uh, he's reportedly using the tax evasion case to avoid settling with her. Well, Mr. Howard, if you're listening, I'm glad we didn't become friends that day at Panera. Uh, the United States Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania initiated the investigation, and it is ongoing. Terrence was alerted to the probe on May 20th, and he has reportedly hired a criminal attorney. And, uh, you know, two things, Steve. Uh, I don't think he's listening. And All right. You can call him Terrence. All right. You don't have to call him Mr. Howard. Uh, this is in his first run-in with the law in April of the uh, in April. The state of California slapped with a he was slapping with a fine of one hundred forty three thousand dollars. In 2010, the federal government demanded $1.1 million in back taxes. So, dudes had some issues over the years with a few different things. Seems that way. 
Jennifer Lawrence is opening up about her engagement to Cook Maroney. What a name, Cook Maroney. Uh, the pair have been linked since last June and enjoyed an engagement party a few weeks ago in Brooklyn. Uh, she tells E.T., there it is again, that getting engaged to Maroney... What was it like being engaged to Cook Mar- Mar- Maroney? <laughs> Well, it was an easy decision. It was easy. To her. Wow, yes. this is the, ripping the, the lid off this one. At the premiere for her film, X-Men Dark Phoenix, the 28-year-old said, well, he's just the best person I've ever met in my whole life. Jennifer, there are some men from the government looking for me. <laughs> uh, Dark Phoenix marks... I'm going to sit in the basket of this bicycle, and can you drive me away? Uh, Dark Phoenix marks uh, Jennifer's big return to film after announcing... Uh, in February 2018, that she was taking a break from acting. Yeah, so uh, this guy is a big, uh, big deal in the world of art, right? And uh, runs, curates all sorts of art. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Cook Maroney's kind of a cool name. My name's Cook Maroney. See, yeah, name's Cook. Fifty-year-old uh, Hugh Grant knows what's up. Grant tells the Hollywood Reporter that although he's made a career starring in rom-com classics like Nine Months, Notting Hill, and Bridget Jones's Diary. He is too old and ugly and fat to do them anymore. That's a direct quote from him. <laughs> I, I believe it, yes. He said, so now I've done other things, and I've got marginally less self-hatred. All right. Uh, so he knows he's not really a sex symbol anymore. He is actually good at, when he does dramatic roles, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like to see him do more of that. Yeah. Uh, in 2009, Marsha Cross's husband, Tom Mahoney, had battled throat cancer. Uh, he went into remission, but then Cross was diagnosed with anal cancer, and the 57-year-old says that doctors suspect it was caused by the same type of HPV or human papilloma, uh, papilloma virus, a sexually transmitted disease. Kathy, this is right up your mom's alley. Yep. Yep. So, so uh, got to stay away from mouth stuff. Yeah. What wow. She what she's been saying my yep. whole life. Mm-hmm. And put tomatoes on your ass, your right. butt, right? Your butt. Did hit her butt no. give it to his mouth or did his mouth? Well, he had it first. Butt. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, well, yeah, how- I guess... What? But that's how it goes, right? Like, the man passes it on, but the man doesn't see any side effects from it. Doesn't see uh I don't symptoms. know. Well, I saw Marsha Cross. Uh, it was last night, just before Jeopardy. It was a PSA for uh, against buck-to-mouth stuff. Okay. <laughs> against? Yeah. ATM? While yes. it may seem the most loving kind of interaction. <laughs> yep. My ass, mom put that yeah, out. Ass to mouth. Yeah, presented by. <laughs> brought to you by Kathy's Jerry. mother. Yeah. Even though you're fresh out of the shower. <laughs> no matter how clean that balloon knot is. <laughs> okay. Can you, as an adult, get the um, vaccine for it? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and in fact, she has made it her mission to encourage people to get vaccinated for HPV. And then the salad bar is open? I believe, Casey, mm-hmm. that's a good question, actually. As an adult. I, you know what? Because I know children. Don't take me for my word on that. Okay. Uh, her twins, who are 12, will get their first shot in a few weeks, she said, uh, for HPV. So, wow, man. Yeah. It's a different time. So, and, and it was, uh, yeah. It's a, that used to be your, your refuge when you, you couldn't do the main course. You know, these different various mouth things and other yeah. things. And, you know. Mouth things. These various mouth things. and whips and yeah, roma there's candles. A, there's all kinds of things. Pittsburgh platters and hot carls. All that stuff. Yeah, all, all of, of that. it. Figging. Yeah. All these things you go to. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to learn about figging now? Yeah. Figging. What the, oh, figging. Oh, figging, pegging. All cuddles, that stuff. Founding. You know, there's there's a there's a, an oil in the uh, in the fig that causes uh, in the ginger that causes rheumatoid arthritis. I didn't know that. Wow. 
You don't want that. No. All right. On Tuesday nights, uh, Real Housewives, uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills, Lisa Renna's daughter, Amelia Gray Hamlin's eating disorder was front and center. And uh, Lisa, who shares Amelia and uh, Delilah Bell with Harry Hamlin, uh, by the way, Amelia's 17, uh, said on the show that she blames herself for her daughter's eating disorder. She said, uh, you can't help but blame yourself. You know, it's like, what did we do to F her up? Maybe we did something. I don't know. I just know that it's really, really hard to watch Amelia be in pain. Quick question. Are they are they using this stuff as fodder for this Real Housewives show? Yeah. Not, yeah, oh, this was on really? the show. About yeah. the... Uh, it said, it said, yeah, it says here on, on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, her eating disorder was front and center. Wow. Mm. Uh, I would imagine that that was at the okay of the daughter. I would hope. Yeah, hope, right? Hope, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I talked about you today on the show. Right, <laughs> right. But That's like... I mean that those the eating disorders. Can, I mean, we all know this. They can be serious. But I mean, I know somebody who literally she she died from it. She she sure. stopped eating and yep. it killed her. Yep, it happens. I I saw on uh, Real Sports uh, they did a, an episode on the the more rare side of of men of yes. males yes, with an eating. Did you see the picture of that mm-hmm. kid? It's like I, I don't I, you you couldn't even believe like. Uh, uh, more horrific than than some of the Holocaust starving really? people, prisoners that you've really? seen. Really, wow! I mean, Steve, I've never seen anything like it. And this was self imposed. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was just horrible how how this can take over your life. My cousin had an issue with it for for years and and uh, and beat it. And uh, it's it, but it is wasn't it the uh, the lead singer of. Silver, Silver chair, yeah, Silver chair, uh, yeah. Daniel John, or yeah, yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah, he had. Uh, so it does. It happens more frequently, and a lot of times in athletes from the world of of, of wrestling and and uh, and uh, things like this. One kid was a competitive swimmer, and where and weight is an issue. It's an issue. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no evidence to back this up, but it, it's got to be a million times worse if you're on TV and if you're basing your life on reality television, where you're being filmed all of the time, and you have this eating disorder, and then you're you're seeing yourself. Wouldn't that impact you in, in such a negative way? Sure, I would think Probably. so. Uh, so anyhow, uh, she, it's out in the open, and, and hopefully this girl gets the help that she needs. Uh, I'm going to mention a story about a guest that we're going to have on around 9.30 this morning. Jack White hung out with Jack Black. Yeah! They recently met up. They were at the airport and ran into each other. Uh, Tenacious D is touring Europe, and I guess so the tours as well. That's crazy. And they ran into each other, and they took a photo op. Uh, Tenacious <laughs> D posted the photo on Instagram with a caption, we hired a new merch guy <laughs> because Jack White's holding up a Tenacious D t-shirt. And uh, Tenacious D are touring in Europe in support of their album and animated series Post-Apocalyptico, while the on Tours are trekking around the continent in support of their forthcoming LP, Help a Stranger. Uh, it isn't necessarily the first time that they've actually met. They were both at the 2006 MTV Video Music Awards, and Black once introduced the White Stripes, yet neither of those events yield an actual photo together. So it's a black and white photo, if you will. I love it. Yeah. Uh, last year, Third Man Records gave a rundown of all the uh, most cliched Jack White, Jack Black jokes, including if Jack White and Jack Black form a band and or have a baby, it will be called Jack Gray. Uh, so it was cool they got to to meet each other. We'll probably ask Jack about that later on today, around 930. We're going to have him on the program. Uh, let's see. Nickelodeon has partnered with the team behind the YouTube viral hit Baby Shark. 
Smart <laughs> Studies. I love it. Smart Studies Ping Fong and Nickelodeon will produce an original preschool animated series. Based on the song? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nickelodeon Animation uh, Executive VP Ramsey Nato said... Uh, Baby Shark has captured the imagination of millions of fans around the world, so it is no surprise that it's one of the top ten most viewed videos of YouTube ever. So. Here we go. But it is a show. What's that? It is a show, right? No, it was a viral it was video. A, it, it was just, just a, video. a, a yeah. music yeah. video? Yeah. If you remember it, this is going to stick in your freaking head all day. All day. Yeah. I think it started in Germany. Um, I mean, at least that's what uh, this little thing on Fox uh, uh, Pro says. Original German viral YouTube video. Yeah. Baby Shark. Baby high. Dim, dim. That sounds a lot. That sounds. That's a lot more disturbing. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah. Um, so at the, the heart. Baby Shark is coming <laughs> after you. <laughs> Ramsey said, at the heart of any popular piece of content is a terrific character, and we have a great opportunity to further explore the world of Baby Shark and follow this family through some great animated adventures on Nickelodeon. Actually, that's that's perfect for an animated uh, kid, well, they, little kid series. They would have a massive audience at the ready. Mm-hmm. What would be great is if Baby Shark, the way he got in is he killed Caillou, right? And then, <laughs> right? You don't oh, like Caillou? No, I yeah. hate him. And, oh, sorry, Caillou died shark attack, baby shark attack. I swear Gase went through a whining stage because he watched Caillou. I was like... <laughs> he learned to whine I, from Caillou. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Is that this little bastard's whole MO, this oh Caillou? God, is that he whines? whines? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whining uh, little bitch. Sorry. <laughs> he is. There's but like, yes, his, his tone of voice, Steve, was very, I but I don't want to. Why would you try to perpetuate that with a kid? No, well, you wouldn't. But the message. I'm going to do opioids. No, no, no. The message behind the show was essentially the, 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 the parent trying to say, you know, is this worth worrying about? This is not that big of oh. a deal. Big it's problem. okay. You know, you know it was, it was a, a kid who was always having some issues. And Why don't you stop eating? Trying to work through it. So some of the. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Probably a good thing you just have animals. <laughs> we'll move on now. Ron Howard says that online trolls were partially to blame for the poor box office performance of Solo, a Star Wars story. Trolls are real? Uh, not that kind of troll. Online trolls. Uh, the Oscar winner said that uh, trolling was a crucial factor in the film's underperformance. He said, I wish that it could have lived up to the box office expectations. That's disappointing. Why didn't it? Well, maybe that's the release date. Maybe it was too nostalgic. Maybe pushback from the previous movie. He said some trolling, definitely. Uh, It was especially noticeable in several algorithms such as uh, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, There was an inordinate push down on the want to see score on Rotten Tomatoes and on the fan voting. And there was a series of zeros and ones on there. Uh, He said he didn't take it personally, though. I never pay attention to those. Uh, You you use it as a slight suggestion, but the want to see thing, all this stuff can be manipulated so easily. I guess enough people do uh, that it might impact box office. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day... It's a good movie. It's it is not, good. It, it's yeah. not a great movie. And so when you come in and, you know, when we sit around and talk about Avengers Endgame or, or Infinity War and how wonderful these movies are and, and rave about them, and, and then we come in and we talk about Solar, and we're like, yeah, it's a good movie. I, yeah. I blame what they themselves blamed the lackluster box office on was that there was a glut of these movies yeah. and that was causing an issue. But and, what's crazy is is Rogue One did really well, right? Yes, it and, was, and it's my top two favorite. And I... I loved it. I don't necessarily know why I went to go see it. I, I mean, I saw uh, Solo in the theaters as well, but um, 
I guess, like, I wasn't, like, super jazzed to go see it. And I, I, I think maybe it has to do with the fact that Han doesn't have any, like, special traits about him or, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's not a Jedi. He's, you know, uh, so maybe that had something to do with I, it. I it's, it's just that it's just, it's just a good movie. Where Rogue One is a great movie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one last story. Ryan Reynolds has dropped a new commercial for his gin brand aviation. <laughs> uh, the Deadpool star acquired an ownership interest in the company in 2018. Uh, the new spot is titled How Far? And in it, he is shown forging each and every bottle by hand. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it is funny. And uh, so if you want to check that out, it is online. He's uh, he's great in everything Did he you does. notice? I don't know. It's sort of a, 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 a um, uh, Easter egg, so to speak. At the end of the video, they show a guy in the bar, and he says he gets it. Because yep. Ryan Reynolds was talking about blowing every uh, bottle. Yeah. The guy they're talk the guy in the bar is the guy from those documentaries about the Fry Festival who was asked by the event organizer to go give oral to a guy they needed a permit from. And and so if you go, wow. go, go all the way to the end of the video, guys, that's if you can, who that is. That's the guy who's asked in the documentary. I You'll never see. would have gotten that. Right. Yeah, no, I watched him. I know right. exactly who that is, Steve, but I didn't recognize him. And thank you for explaining that. Right. So yeah, because they, they just they just because it seemed to uh, they they clearly they were highlighting this guy, and I'm like, I have no idea who he is. Who you would have had to have yeah. seen uh-huh. the documentary. And it's 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 a perfect Ryan Reynolds sort of either you get it or you don't. It's no biggie. But the fact that the the guy. <laughs> Right after saying he blows every glass bottle, the guy says, yeah, he gets it. He gets okay. it. <laughs> All right, we are ready for clips. <laughs> Investigating a friend's death is already a tall challenge. Imagine how much harder it would be if you couldn't see. In the dark follows a blind woman trying to figure out what happened to a friend whose corpse uh, completely disappears. Mm. Here star Perry Metfeld uh, discusses her character's dysfunctions. She's sarcastic. She's kind of self-deprecating. She's this whole mess. You know, she has this very dysfunctional relationships with men, like this whole thing. And then and then her blindness is just an additional aspect to her life. I don't give a f- uh, in the Dark is on tonight, 9 o'clock. That's on the CW. What was that? So there's another movie that, um, like, on the order of Bird Box, and I never saw it get its full release on Netflix, where instead of uh, uh, Ice, it's basically like uh, A Quiet Place. They're missing a foot? Uh, yeah, no, 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 wait. Did I, I, I know what you're talking about. Did I? They're like making a big deal that, about yeah. it, and I don't know if it ever premiered. Did they, I, I was just wondering if anyone seen it. Obviously not. So No, I... Uh, no, Stanley I Tucci's in it. Okay. All right. I'll have to search we'll on that. Up, yeah. All right, next clip. Life in Pieces shows the lives of three generations as they journey through their daily lives living in Los Angeles. In this clip, Betsy Brandt explains her appreciation for the show's style. She's sarcastic. She's nope, I hit the wrong thing. Sorry. The Go hell ahead. is that? Go ahead. Betsy Brandt explains her appreciation <laughs> for the show's style. That's one of my favorite things about the show is that it's... It's not off the wall. I mean, we have those moments too, but it's for me as a as a woman, as a human, as a mom, that's the kind of thing I relate to because that's what happens in my life. You just made a mess in my mouth. <laughs> uh, they like canceled it. Uh, is it? It's canceled? Yeah. Uh, it's on tonight at 930 so on CBS. All the joy makes it bittersweet now. I actually do really like this show. It's, okay. it's a uh, very well-written show. Nick found the movie you were talking about. It's called The Silence. And the tagline is, they're listening. They're listening. April 10th, Netflix. They're listening. So it never, did it debut? I don't know. Okay. It must have. It just came and went. 
Okay. All right. I'm a suck. So there you go. The entertainment report for you on this Thursday morning. We have a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people joining us on the program today. We will have Pete Rose on the show today. Wow. We will have Jack White joining us. And we have a guitar virtuoso Paul Gilbert in our studio performing. He is going to play at the Ardmore Music Hall tonight. So a lot of stuff today. Stick with us. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment. gang, we need your blood. It's time to roll up your sleeve for the I Bleed for Preston and Steve Blood Drive, Saturday, June 15th. Last year was the second largest blood drive in the nation, and with your help, it'll be number one this year. So we're headed to the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks for this year's drive with kids' activities from Aim High Studio and Painter Treasure Ceramics, plus Rita's Water Ice and Alex's Lemonade Stand. The Red Cross is always in need, especially leading into the summer months, so make an appointment now at WMMR.com. All donors get the newest Preston and Steve t-shirt and this year's pint glass from Window Nation. Hundreds of donors will be randomly selected for free tickets to one of these concerts at the BB&T Pavilion, the Smashing Pumpkins and Noel Gallagher on August 8th. Or Alice Cooper and Hailstorm on August 16th. Tickets for these shows are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Our 14th annual I Bleed for Preston and Steve Blood Drive. From the American Red Cross Penn Jersey Blood Services region. And 93.3 WMMR putting Philly first. Thank you very much Kathy. Uh, let's see we have uh, Jack White on the program this morning. We have uh, guitarist Paul Gilbert stopping in. We're going to talk to Pete Rose. We have a bunch going on today, all on the 75th anniversary of D-Day on top of that, too. We had a nice, long discussion and one of the best interviews ever yesterday uh, with a World War II veteran. Was not involved in the D-Day campaign, but was in the Pacific campaign of World War II. Uh, and that was uh, Roland uh, Scarinci yesterday. He was amazing. Just amazing. 96 years old. My dad was in the European campaign. He was in Italy. Um, but uh, today the focus obviously on Normandy. And, yeah. and, and, and honestly, I, I, um, uh, it, it's, uh, of course, it's not lost on any of us. The massive, Im- impressive, uh, incredible thing that was done on this day. But uh, again, I was talking earlier, Preston, about seeing this new color footage that, you know, I've, throughout my life I've known about it and seen uh, footage and books and so on and so forth. Seeing it in color last night was just a bit of a revelation and, yeah. and had and be, it became very emotional for me uh, to see, you know, it just brought it a little bit more real, as you said. And uh, again, if you've seen Private Ryan, you know, which is a depiction of it, fairly authentic from what people have said, uh, that alone should, should give you an idea of what guys did on this day. And uh, the incredible sacrifice that was made uh, for the country. Just amazing. I love all the side stories. One of the things I love about, uh, like, the the NASA program are all of the little stories about things that you didn't know uh, that were necessary to lead up to, you know, like the moon landing and so on. Uh, Same thing goes for just the the D-Day invasion, uh, all of the... All of the stuff that had to come together, all the planning in advance of this, all the engineering that took place uh, is astounding. All the deception that had to take place. Yeah. There were all sorts of things. The the, the Nazis were convinced uh, because of an effort to throw them off the, the scent uh, that Normandy might have been a location. Uh, it seemed um, that uh, – so they were signaling all sorts of different locations in France where this uh, – I mean uh, where, uh, Norway where, where the invasion would take place. And um, and so through a whole bunch of deception, they were able to throw them off. Something I didn't know until last night was that on Omaha Beach, there had been a plan. These bombers were supposed to fly in and bomb out divots for the landing soldiers to be able to have some protection to jump into basically foxholes. Mm-hmm. 
they missed the mark. They never hit the beach, and that's why when they landed on the beach, there was no cover, no right. protection. Right. That's why they were getting ground up by machine gun fire. Uh, but it's just, you know, uh, unbelievable uh, courage And when this happened. And then if you break down some of the numbers, so um, on this uh, day, 73,000 Americans were part of it, 61,000 uh, British, 21,000 Canadians, over 5,000 ships crossing uh, the English Channel to get across. And then I found out something after the fact. When, of course, so the landing takes place, and now you have them dealing with the hedgerow situation, which is provided a, a, a cover for the, the Nazi soldiers and tanks, these thick hedges that were making it very difficult for the Allied forces, uh, Allied forces to proceed. Some sergeant came up with an idea to basically put like a um, like a rake on uh, a, a metallic sort of rake thing on the front of tanks and allowed them to clear through the hedges just a simple mod no turn the tide of that back all these things that you talk about that you know that history has now revealed to us mm-hmm. these meticulous things that all had to go right and there was so much that went wrong oh man and that there it was, still happened like like here's an example there were there are these cliffs uh in one of the beaches that was going to be taken that that um uh, the American soldiers needed to scale, so they had these um, essentially these giant grappling hooks, and uh, they would they would launch them with explosives to go up and grab onto the uh, 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 the cliffs, and then they could climb up and, and get up to where they needed. And I think that there were these um, uh, they thought that there were these uh, anti aircraft and anti uh, ship guns that were up there, which I think turned out to be a decoy. Yes, but anyhow, so the equipment that they were using to shoot these ropes up, these grappling hooks. One thing that they didn't take into consideration was the fact that they would get wet on the way to the beach, and they weighed too much from the water, and they couldn't shoot them up. So there are all these little stories of things that went right and went wrong, Mm. things that were lucky in a positive way, things that were bad in the other way and unexpected, like like that gigantic uh, um, fake... uh, What's the proper word I'm looking for? Uh, It was almost like a lagoon they had to build. Uh, with these concrete structures, the engineering that went behind this, the fact that they needed to know the weather before they got over there. Well, it was supposed uh, to be on the fourth, and the weather didn't allow it. Yeah, yeah. So the they had to weather delay it by was two a days. Big part of it too. Yeah. And then you had so with with the stuff, um, you know, the, the amount of misinformation, the, the radio broadcasts, uh, Hollywood movie makers stepped in to create f- uh, fake tanks, fake uh, yeah. armaments that were just yeah. basically cutouts mm-hmm. that would appear in, in long photographs. All of these things came into play. And then, you know, the, the event itself, I mean, uh, you know, a, a great movie, The Longest Day, depicts the personal, the, the, the story of the soldiers waiting and yep. that waiting. And, and as Nick, as you said, the weather was, was when are we going to go? When are we going to go? Is described as this massive coiled spring just waiting to Can you imagine to go. not knowing also? I mean, this, none of this was guaranteed to at all be a success. And, and getting there and realizing, all right, we're going to undertake the massive thing that's about to happen in the next couple of days, and it might fail. Well, the, the beaches, of course, that you know the names well, Utah, Omaha, Gold, Juno, and uh, uh, Sword were the, uh, were the code names for the beaches. Um, and, and the, the, uh, the astonishing undertaking. And again, they're, they, they're still discovering footage. There's a great uh, filmmaker, Sam Fuller. Um, uh, he's since passed, but he's, he's done, uh, he did a, a number of, uh, war films and he, he relayed this story that became, you've heard it, Preston, where they're on the beach and the guy says, uh, you know, if you're here, you're dead. Right. So, you know, the only way to live is to move, is to basically move forward into this 
machine gun fire and and make a go of it. Try to get yeah. off this beach. Was that the same guy who's from this area, uh, uh, a general who said Rangers lead the way? Uh, came up with that on, I'm looking for it right now as we speak, I got my laptop out, but I remember reading it was from around here, and he's the guy who walked up and said, guys, the Rangers lead the way, and it ended up becoming the the Rangers, now it's their slogan. Oh, no, and I it, didn't it know that. it was said right there on the beach, and wow. he was from this area, I'm going to see if I can look that up and uh, find out who that was. I, I've um, toured the beaches several times, I've, I've been lucky enough to go to France a, a few times in my life, and uh, the first time I went, I was a kid, and um, it was... Was, was, it, was it, did you get it at that point when you were a kid? Well, I knew history, right? Yeah. And so I, I liked the, the history of World War II, but I didn't quite understand the reverence or the Im- impact, e- even though, um, you know, the first time I went, I was 14 years old, yeah. so you're kind of on this tour group, and, and you're a kid, Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was impactful enough for me to want to go back and see it again, so I did, and, and then when the, the second time or third time that I went was in college, I was 21 or 22, and um, I was then, at that point, really blown away by it. I'd learned a lot more about World War II and the history of all of it, but just the reverence and the the overall uh, silent attitude that you feel when you walk into a place like that is is unbelievable. The huge divots that are still on the ground where massive uh, bombs and, and armaments were dropped. And then I also went to the German cemetery. And I mentioned this uh, off-air the other day, but um, the Germans lost uh, a ton of kids that day, too. And they, these guys were fighting for their country, right or wrong, but wrong in, in yeah. history's eyes. But they were 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. And um, and that is a place to visit as well. It really shows the impact of what this day was like for the losing side. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the guy I was talking about was Norman Coda. He was a major general. And he ended up being a politician around here, I think. But I'd, I'd have to go look up uh, the full information on that. But, I mean, there, there's story after story after story after story of what took place on this day 75 years ago. Which How was long wild. was the battle? That's a good question. Well, the actual the actual beach assault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I don't know. So they they had they the the night before they had they had dropped paratroopers in that that was a whole mess. Yeah, um, you know they but behind the lines in some aspects it was successful in some aspects it was a disaster and a massacre for some. Uh, so o- over the course of of the uh, of the hours. Um, you know, Omaha took um, the, the the people landing at Omaha. The soldiers took the worst beating, I believe. Uh, but uh, all in all, I think they were. It, it was hours in. I'm I'm gonna say Preston by by midday they were making inroads, and I'm I, that could be very incorrect. Yeah. But it, it seems like once once they had those breaches start to take place in the German defenses, yep. they were they were off and running. Yeah, it's uh, so. I mean. There's so much information out there. I remember one time deciding to look up, okay, how did World War II start? Yeah. You know, well, it's not that simple. No, there's a multitude of things. And, 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 and there... how did World War II end? And it's yeah. not that simple either. It's uh, There were uh, several things that had to happen for that to take place. And there was also, you know, uh, you had the the, uh, the Russians on the other side of, of the whole thing going on as well. They were allies at the time. We, we allied with uh, Stalin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's... it's, uh, it's 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 a an unending fascinating story and if you're unaware of it you you should familiarize yourself with it on some level because there are multiple lessons to take with you throughout your life and and also just that story i mean i think of my dad who was you know young at the time you know very young over there all these guys getting off these uh, these beach craft landing, you know, and, and, and some never even clearing them. Some just stepping off and getting shot immediately uh, and yep. and falling off into the water and drowning. They had so much uh, equipment on them. 
you know, just one one story after another of incredible courage. And, and I think any veteran of the war, all the people that they had, and, and, and specifically of the uh, Normandy invasion, they say the real heroes are the guys who never made it off the beach that day. When you visit that part of France, it, it, and you don't see it nearly as much in Paris, but when you visit the cities, especially a city called Caen, which is C A E N, you really see how the uh, the impact of what the bombing did to a town like that, because there aren't many buildings that survived. Uh, post World War II, and so there are uh, a lot of towns in France that are, you know, have medieval buildings that are still standing. You know, uh, buildings that were built in the, in the Gothic with Gothic architecture. In those towns and in those cities, most of those buildings don't exist anymore because yeah. there's so many bombs being dropped on them. We have a couple of clips to play. This is uh, Eisenhower with the order of the day. Here we go. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade, toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. Yeah, it was, you know, imagine trying to keep all of this stuff secret. This, I mean, they had to move thousands of thousands of people and tons and tons and tons and tons of equipment without somebody figuring out what they were going to do. So they're talking to soldiers who are traveling across on these 5,000 uh, vessels, Preston, and they're saying every second they're looking up in the sky waiting for the German aircraft. Yeah. But uh, their, their, their deceptions were so convincing that Rommel, you know, their, their most celebrated general... Mm-hmm. Decided to go to his, I think, his sister's uh, wedding. Uh-huh. And, and so they, they figured, okay, we got this. And so uh, that, on that level, it, it worked. And um, we have a, 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 the next uh, piece of audio is actually from the day, uh, an NBC radio station broadcasting the information as it's coming in concerning the, the Normandy invasion. All right, here we go. Unconfirmed by allied sources, of course, says that heavy fighting is taking place between the Germans and invasion forces on the Normandy Peninsula, about 31 miles southwest of Le Havre. Another bulletin, also from Berlin Radio and unconfirmed, says the British-American landing operations against the western coast of Europe, from the sea and from the air, are stretching over the entire area between Cherbourg and Le Havre, a distance of about 60 miles. I repeat, there is no confirmation. And here's another bulletin just in, DNB, the German agency says, uh, this is unconfirmed, that the most important aerodromes in the area of the Normandy Peninsula of France have been wiped out. Now, I presume that means wiped out by the Allies. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's when it hit. It's just amazing. Yep. I'm looking up uh, the Band of Brothers, I and mean, we've talked about that on the show several times, and it's a, it's a great miniseries on HBO if you're not familiar with it. Uh, I can't find any of them that are still alive. Um, I know a lot of them were from this area. Dick Winters, I think, was in Hershey, and uh, Bill Gornier was a, was a Philly guy. Uh, I think most of the Band of Brothers at this point have passed away. And so if you ever get a chance to talk to any of the veterans who have been to Normandy or spent time there, do it now. Do it, it now. You yeah. won't be able to. At this point in the war, did um, was it public knowledge that the concentration camps were where they were? I know that they, they were able to keep those secret for a while. There has been. The genocide. There has been. Um, in Europe, it was better known. There have been recent books that have come out that have said that that information was suppressed to hear, yeah. Uh, for and if, if, I, I believe I'm not sure the New York Times has taken 
at least some ownership of suppressing the story about the uh, about the death camps. Yeah. Uh, I think even FDR was trying to suppress that information for whatever reason. History will tell. Hmm. But uh, um, but yes. So it, over in Europe, and I was just you know uh, reading a, 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 an article about this. It was it was more widely suspected and known because people had escaped and had eyewitness accounts right. of what they had seen. Right. Uh, then obviously when the the footage of like the Soviets, uh, you know, marching in and, and the Americans liberating these these horrific these horrific uh, these people from these horrific death camps. Yeah. That's when it became obviously common. What, why would it be suppressed? I don't understand the logic. There are a multitude of reasons. I'll send you the article yeah. uh, and not, not a lot of them. Very good reasons, Nick. Okay. But but, um, you know, so uh, but that's how that's how it played out. Hmm. Wow. Well, it all started to end on this day 75 years ago, and thankfully it did end eventually. And uh, unfortunately, at the cost of a lot of uh, people's lives and um, all around the world. Um, so, yeah, just make it a point if, if you get a chance to watch it. Like Steve was saying, there's a lot of specials that are airing right now, and they're definitely worth checking out. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's so many times when I'm like, uh, you know, there's so much to take in. And, and I think of what these people did, and I'm like, Jesus, uh, you know. <laughs> you 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 want to know you want to remember because you you cannot let this stuff just go into the ether of history and disappear it always has to be acknowledged of this incredible endeavor that saved the, that saved the world mm. uh hang on a second let me go to anthony he wants to comment on something anthony you're on the air good morning good morning gentlemen hey what's up uh, I, i'm good uh, i was just calling because i wanted to point uh, two things out real quick um the Rangers that actually landed at Point du Hoc, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that they stood on that uh, cliffside for about two days, and actually on the second day, they actually got hit pretty bad by their by our own tanks because uh, in the middle of the night, because nobody realized uh, where certain emplacements were. Um, and I want to say of the hundred guys of the of one company, about twenty five of them got wiped out just in the first day. Wow. Um, and another thing I wanted to tell. Uh, Preston, that you pointed out was asking about the concentration camps. Uh, my grandfather came in through, you know, southern Europe, and he actually told me stories about how his unit liberated a couple concentration camps. And years later, um, he was a teacher, actually, in Abington School District. Um, teachers and a couple students actually came up to him and said, you actually saved us that day because – and they, they were breaking down crying because they never got to actually thank the guys that actually took them out of the concentration camps. Um, and he, he was able to, you know, partake that upon me. And he said they just broke down crying, telling telling him just thank you. And that was 20, 30 years later. So. It's amazing. Just amazing. Uh, to, to see some of that footage, uh, you know, th- there's footage that lives with you. Uh, and I, I think it's actual newsreel footage from, you know, the, mm-hmm. the time. And you, mm-hmm. you see these people um, who are... Uh, you know, Anthony, that look look like they're no more than 60 pounds, you know, as these mm-hmm. soldiers are coming in and, and you are so resolutely sure you're going mm-hmm. to die. You, you've lost all yeah. hope. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes out and extends a hand and food and it's like you're going to live. And you, it's just yeah. there's nothing, you know, that's got to just alter your life forever to be a part of that. Exactly. And, and trust me, he lived with it till the day he died. Um, and, you know, we we. We call PTSD now. They called it shell shock back then. Yep. Yeah. But it was it was very tough for him, and um, you know he he partook how he dealt with that uh, to our family, and it's one of those things that we you know we live with it as well, and it's one of those things we've learned to cope with him. Um, you know with his with 
everything he saw and what he dealt with. So. Yeah, God bless right. him. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. Now, he brings Thank up a good guys. point. I, mean, I remember not uh, a while back, just I went up and, and looked at the definition of shell-shocked because he was right. That was what the, the term what they that they used. Them. Yeah, yeah. And there was really no treatment or anything like that for it. They were just like, eh, you know, I mean, they didn't really have much that they could do at the time. Now there's therapy and they know PTSD and at least have ways to help people cope with that. It's not a cure, but maybe right. it can help out. But those poor guys, man, it just, you know, they, they saw things now. And also, uh, unfortunately, war was kind of glamorized back then as well. And it was just, you know. This is the way it was. Well, there was, was also rallying support and trying to get people on board the campaign to help out. Yeah, uh, but you know, it, it, there, it, the the reality of it was was horrific, absolutely horrific. You know, they saw things that you can't unsee and affected them for the rest of their lives. If you've ever seen All Quiet on the Western Front, you know, in the uh, which is from the the German side in World War One, and uh, that's the you know they're, they're the the. the glamorizing of it and and what it turns out to be um you know are, are it's it's brilliantly displayed it's a classic of course book and a classic movie but uh that captures it well yep uh i'll go to uh mario quick hey mario good morning hey Ray antlers <laughs> what's up bud hey so uh fun fact uh my wife's grandfather thomas darnell he uh, stormed the beaches in Normandy. Wow! Um, back in the day, I never got a chance to meet the man, but I heard a bunch of stories about him. Great guy. And my grandmother, my grandmother, actually escaped the concentration camp when she was a kid. No kidding. Did she? Did yeah. she ever give you the the specifics of how she did that? You know, the funny thing is, is when I was in high school, we had to do a report about it, and they asked us to, you know, ask your grandparents or whatever. Um, she was kind of hesitant on a lot of the details. Yeah, I never. I never fully understood how she got out, but as the story through the family goes, all of her family went to this camp, and her and her sister left, and everybody else was gone. There, oh. there was a story, um, Mario, that, and, and it was I remember seeing a, a clip of it, and you can find it online. There is a guy sitting in a uh, studio audience. I believe it's a British talk show. And um, unbeknownst to him, when he was during the war, he had this effort to save these children – you know, many, many children from ending up in these death camps. And yeah. so he's surrounded, unbeknownst to him, by the adults. These are the kids that he saved. And <laughs> I'm going to start crying. But yeah. they, they stand up. Yeah, you know. That's amazing. Thanks, yeah. Mario. Appreciate no it, man. You know, there, were, there are a couple of stories out there about um, uh, some uh, essentially revolts at uh, at a couple of these concentration camps where the where the Jews that were being held managed to overtake yeah. the guards and get out. I mean, full on get out. Now we're not talking Auschwitz or Dachau or anything yeah. like that, but these smaller ones that they were able to. I'd, I'd like to see stories about that. There was a sometime. there was a, a movie with um uh God uh, uh Daniel Craig, and it's uh it's 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 based on um I believe it's based on a true story where a a a, a, a Jewish a, a town fled into the into the, uh, the the woods and were able to elude. They they basically did that. They no weren't kidding. in a death camp, but it's I, I, so I'm sure there are similar stories to that in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I had a professor who was a young uh, Nazi soldier, and he uh, he wouldn't talk about it. He, he wouldn't uh, give the information, but if you asked him, uh, you know, it went through the the campus. Everybody knew who he was. So if somebody asked in class, he would then address it. And I remember the the day somebody was like, "I'm asking him," and it was towards the end of the semester, and it was just, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. So he, he was, was he was in a concentration. 
concentration camp? No, he was a Nazi soldier. Oh, he was a Nazi soldier. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't hear that. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, and you could, you could. It was so quiet, and it just kind of the class ended. Everyone got up and walked out. Like wow. it just was. It was pretty, uh, yeah. pretty scary and interesting to hear part of his story. What's pretty wild is seeing uh, people that still have the tattoos uh, from being in the camps. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's pretty wild, but. Um, Anyhow, um, it's worth uh, taking a moment today to uh, do some research into it or watch one of the specials that'll be on. I'm sure uh, Saving Private Ryan's got to be on uh, all day today, I would imagine. But it, 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 If you've never seen it, best. it's a masterpiece, and it captures in, in so many ways You know what this is all about. Marissa? We were getting a lot of calls over on our end about a uh, event this weekend in Reading at the Mid-Atlantic Air Museum. Uh, it's a 29th annual World War II weekend, and uh, if you go to their website, M-A-M, I'm sorry, maam.org, you can find out all the details about that. All right, cool. Thank you, Marissa. All right, we need to take a, a quick break, and we're going to do that. We have several guests that are on the program today. We're going to have Pete Rose joining us. We have the Tours, Jack White. They have the new album coming out. Uh, Jack's going to get in touch with us and uh, one of the greatest guitarists I've ever seen or heard, uh, Paul Gilbert will be here as well. Take a break. Come back in just a moment. Make sure you stay with us. What's new? Glad you asked. Muse. Everything that rocks. I'm 93.3 WNMR. All right, we're going to do the Bizarre File, and then we're going to chat with somebody here in the studio. Now, bizarre. WMMR presents bizarre. Kristen and Steve's Bizarre, bizarre File. All right, we'll begin with a story about a woman who was unhappy with the way her McChicken sandwich was prepared. No, oh, this is going to get bloody, right? It is. She uh, stormed a McDonald's kitchen in an attempt to prepare her own meal, and in the process, she assaulted the restaurant's pregnant manager <sighs> over a McChicken sandwich. You're not supposed to go back and prepare your own food, right? No. That's the whole idea of the business is that they do it for you. Correct. Chanel Hansen. Purchased the McChicken sandwich Friday at the drive-thru of a McDonald's. The sandwich, however, apparently did not live up to the 21 years old year old expecta- year old's expectations. Oh, no, not again. Hanson entered the restaurant and declared that her food was made wrong, according to a customer who spoke to police. Hanson requested a refund and then went behind the counter. The McDonald's manager, who is 29 weeks pregnant, told cops that she was slapped in the face and pushed by Hanson. A male employee said that when he tried to separate Hanson and his manager, Hanson slapped him in the face and pushed him. Cool. The restaurant manager said that after Hanson received a refund, she stated she was going to go make the food herself. And at that point, she came behind the counter, confronted the manager near the French fry station, and the manager said she got in my face and slapped me. The manager said that prior to Hanson coming behind the counter, other McDonald's workers told her that the manager was pregnant. In a written statement, the woman added that Hanson replied that, quote, she had bail money and didn't care that she was pregnant. She hoped I lost my child, too. Oh, Jesus Christ, over a chicken sandwich. A chicken 
sandwich. How could you avoid the urge to make her bob for french fries? Yeah, totally. Just grab her head and shove it down in there. Enjoy. After being taken in custody, uh, Hanson told the police that she was upset that there was nothing on her McChicken sandwich, which normally comes with shredded lettuce and mayonnaise. Well, that's worth uh, aborting a baby. Uh, Hanson, who copped to throwing money in the manager's face, said that she stepped behind the counter to make my own sandwich. The pregnant manager said that, uh, Hanson, of the pregnant manager, Hanson said, stepped to me and we were face-to-face behind the counter. Uh, the manager, Hanson, claimed asked, what are you going to do? And Hanson said, I do not know who threw the first punch. But everybody said she did. So she was busted for assaulting a pregnant woman. You, There's so many stories that are staggeringly... I mean, people go off the, the yeah. farm when it comes to fast food. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the psychology of that is. It happens a lot. Police in Pennsylvania say that they were called to help get a bear that dashed through residents' yard before jumping yards before jumping into a swimming pool. The Bethlehem Police Department says that they got the call about the bear on Sunday morning. Uh, the bear made it into the pool before being corralled by police and Pennsylvania Game Commission officers. Uh, there's a picture of this bear swimming in the pool. Cannonball! It's, it's pretty cool. Marco uh, Polo. Uh, the animal... What was... do you call your place in the back there? Mondo Falls. Mondo Falls. Yeah. I love this. Hot tub! Uh, the animal was... Ooh, the drum kit. Happily... <laughs> was happily uh, relocated to north central Pennsylvania where pools are called swamps and there are hundreds of acres of woodland. So they let him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was locked inside a safe was a 40-year mystery. The combination had defeated locksmiths and befuddled former employees at the hotel that it once occupied. And that was until two weeks ago. Hmm, that's when... That's a mystery. That's when the safe was opened by an unwitting visitor to the Vermilion uh, Alta Museum where the safe sits quietly in the basement. Uh, so the safe had been sitting there for... 40 years, locked. No one had ever had any need to unlock it or see what was inside of it. No, 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 no. They had tried to. Oh, they had tried to. Okay, I misunderstood that. were not able to do it. That's a hell of a safe company. And then all of a sudden this guy came in. uh, In fact, it was a a longtime volunteer at the museum. Tom uh, Kibblewhite said, "I, I moved on to the next item on a tour when this guy just got down on his knees and started playing with the dial. He said it, it uh, couldn't have been more than two minutes. He tried the handle, and the safe opened up. Wow. I was that is, in, that's a mega safe cracker. He said I was in total shock, and he was too. I asked him if he was a professional safe cracker. He said, no, I'm a machinist. I'm uh, just a cracker. The one-ton safe came to the town's Old Brunswick Hotel, uh, which closed in the 1970s, donated to the museum in the mid-1990s. The safe had been lowered into onto a specifically, wow. especially reinforced floor in the basement with a crane. The manager for the hotel couldn't recall the combination or anything of value that was locked inside, and they tried to get people in to, to crack it, and they never could. And this ju- this guy just went in and did it for fun, and he opened it. So admit it. Whenever you go to a place that has a safe, yeah, you take a crack at it, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. You put your ear up to it and yeah. everything. That's what this guy did. He leaned his ear close to the lock, began cranking and the lock, and listened for the telltale clicks. What? He said, I put in 20, 40, 60, three times right, three times left, one time right, tried it, and oh, my God, it opened up. There was no valuable treasure inside the safe, unfortunately. It was a Blu-ray copy of Scorpion King 3. <laughs> no, there were just a few doc- documents from its final days inside the old hotel. There was a dusty pad full of restaurant orders and a forgotten pay slip from 1977. But they're leaving the door open on it just in case. So they wow. don't have to close and lock up That's again. a hell of a story. A Florida man is facing a domestic battery rap after allegedly covering his sleeping girlfriend in ketchup. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Florida man. Florida man. Well, sometimes you can't find a blanket. Investigators say Peter Wagman and his 41-year-old girlfriend have recently been in arguments over infidelity by the victim. Uh, the couple have been together for about 11 years. Uh, cop In the cop's report, uh, the victim awoke to ketchup being poured on her by Wagman, who was yelling, That's what you get, bitch! <laughs> oh, wow. Ketchup, bitch! When the uh, police arrived at the residence, they found the woman covered in ketchup. Wagman, Condiments! Wagman denied the condiment attack, though a patrolman noted that he, quote, had ketchup on the right side of his pants. Don't make me get the A1. Wagman, who was released yesterday from the county jail, had pleaded not guilty to the misdemeanor <laughs> domestic battery count. A judge has ordered him to have no contact with the victim. Both Wagman and his girlfriend have previously been arrested for battering each other. Uh, though charges in those separate cases were eventually dropped by prosecutors. I'm going to guess that uh, that's what you get, bitch, was an improv line. He didn't work on that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, what should I line. yell when yeah. I'm spraying the ketchup on her? All right, and then one last story. Deputies are looking for two would-be thieves who tried to rob an ATM machine with a blowtorch. <laughs> well, they actually ended up welding it together. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we did this wrong, Bill. In uh, Oskaloosa County, Florida. Now we seal it in cement. In Florida, deputies say early Friday morning, two men entered the second floor of the boardwalk on uh, uh, Island, Okaloosa Island. Uh, deputies say surveillance video shows a man attempting to cut the ATM with a blowtorch, but they instead welded the metal parts shut. Well, thank you, guys. That's great. A worker who came to service the machine found the burn marks. On the hinges and locks. Uh, Deputy say one suspect had uh, a black half-nose mask with black sunglasses, a black leather-style jacket, and camo pants and black gloves on. Sounds like Fonzie. The other suspect wore a tan toboggan-style hat, a scarf around his face, black long-sleeve Under Armour shirt, and white tube socks with multiple colored stripes. So they were dressed for the occasion. And there you go. That's what I have in the bizarre file for you this morning. I love welding it shut. All right. So uh, there's a big event coming up this weekend. And the jerseys, the uniform that this gentleman is wearing look awesome. The ACS Bikeathon is Sunday. Marcus in the darkest. Late nights here at MMR in our studio. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? Good, dude. I love that jersey. So sharp. Yeah. Greg did a great job designing it. And then uh, Vole Jerseys and Go Cycling LLC did the finishing touch-ups on it. And we got the matching kits. And one of the cool things about it this year is you can buy them through August this year. So if you weren't able to get them in time for the ride, you can get them through August, and we're hoping to put out some winter gear as well for people who ride year-round. That's cool. And you have you become a year-round oh, rider? Yeah. yeah. I'll ride till it's about 20 degrees with wind chill. Wow. Hey, you are so hardcore serious. And Casey and I were talking about, about your, I mean, from very humble beginnings oh, and no. where you are now, <laughs> and it's a testament to the fact that you've stuck with it. And then in the, in the process, it become completely psychotically addicted to bicycles. Oh, totally psychotically yeah. addicted. Yeah, we started with nine riders 15 years ago. Now we have 204. Oh, my God. Yeah, and at that, that time, awesome. I know, yeah, it's amazing. Team WMMR is amazing. The MMR family's incredible. But, yeah... Those first four or five years, I didn't ride very much during the cold weather. And then as you go on, you start putting more and more miles on and then just build up that tolerance. And then at a certain level, the wind gets too cold and it cuts through your face and you just can't ride it. I don't like having my face cut. What's the longest ride you've ever taken personally? About 67, 68 miles. I haven't done a full century yet. I don't know if I have a desire to do 100 miles. That's 
a lot of time in the seat. That's a (laughs) lot of time in the saddle. And I, I, my hats off to people who can do it because it's a challenging ride. How long is the uh, the bikeathon? Sixty six point six miles. Okay. How How much do you weigh, by the way? Right now, about 160. Okay, He's so lost one, a lot of weight. 160 yeah. sitting on a bike seat. So I'm about 219, 220. Yeah. You're fine. You're fine. But there the, are dudes I, your size that come flying by us at like 25, 25. I always miles feel hour. like the bike seat is halfway up my colon. Are and you then, wearing bike shorts, though? Because if you yeah, wear bike no, shorts. No, I never wear pants. You bike naked? Bike shorts. Preston, you know what I'm saying? It just yeah. never, it, yeah. for a long, my, that's what the pad it does. never feels right. My ass gets numb. It yeah. does. It actually does. Hey, yo. Do your ass <laughs> get numb, too? That's a proctologist. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Steve, the bike uh, shorts <laughs> really do help, and then when I do the long ride like that, I actually wear two pairs of bike shorts. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, I've not so tried that. oh yeah, you should try it this and then time. They also have the they also have the butter if you get chafed. Yeah, that then I want to have toast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so so uh, give us the specs on everything this weekend. I, this weekend, uh, the right now there are about thirty four hundred riders. We've raised over a million dollars. We start at the base of the Ben Franklin Bridge. Wow. They close it off at six. They open it at about seven thirty. They just reopened the walking path too. Yeah, yeah. So. And we all go over the bridge together, and it's incredible. Absolutely right. incredible. So are you here to solicit for more riders? Volunteers. Okay. Volunteers, if people are looking for something to do, volunteer. I mean, you can still ride with us. You can still sign up through, I think, tomorrow to be officially on Team WMMR at the end of the day. But we need volunteers always. We need SAG drivers if you want to give back, you can donate to Team WMMR as well. Uh, it's been great. Dude, the weather looks perfect. I know, like 77, Clouds 78, and 78 degrees. degrees. So a little cloud cover, that's going to be nice for you guys. And it gets a little cooler as you ride towards the shore yeah. as well. Let's so Pray yeah. for some tailwinds as well. Oh, I know. That's and the best. I know the last five miles are on the AC Expressway. That's cool. And if we get tailwinds, you fly. You end up going ah. like 26, 27 miles an hour. Then you have the effort. cool air blowing across your numb ass. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have, uh, because listen, I know you have over 200 riders, uh, and you guys will all start out together, but you, you don't finish together. It's it's impossible to Absolutely. keep that whole crew together. Some people go faster than others. So, what are what's your goal in, in finishing, how, in how much time? I try to finish between 10.30 and 11 at the latest because we have the survivor ceremony at 12.30. We have things going on at the end point as well. And I'm also on the committee. So being on the bikeathon committee, I like to be down there as quickly as possible to help out with whatever they need at the all right, well, how many hours of riding will that be then? Four? Four and a half at the okay. most. Yeah, I finished them in... between 10, 30, and 11. We should be done. All right, so, and how many rest stops are there? Because you, and that's the other great part yeah. is, is you have these rest stops where you can go get some more water, maybe grab a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Uncrustables or something like that. at the third oh rest stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's like, seriously, like that is the thing at the third rest stop. Crustables? Kathy's laughing, but seriously, the bikers go bananas for Uncrustables. It is like the most important part of the third rest stop. We used to love those things. They used to send They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. But, yeah, there are three rest stops, and then there are two or three water stops. We have a few Team WMMR riders who are doing the Century Ride as well, which is 100 miles. And then I think there are one or two additional rest stops there, which is tough, man. 100 miles, that's a good long they, time. How do they make it 100 miles? Where do they go? They have a loop that breaks off at about, I can't remember exactly where, but it's somewhere in the Hamilton area that it breaks off, and then it adds, like, the extra 30, 40 okay. miles to By it. And then they loop back up, and then... 
finish through the highway and do all of that. Loop, as there, well. it yeah. Loop yeah. there it is. Loop, there it is. Um, so and you also you 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 walk the walk in so many ways, and 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 you go and help out with different uh, charities, and 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 yeah. your your whole collective, the people who are part of your team, do this as well. Absolutely. So if people are just interested in finding out more information about the the charity and what you guys do, how do they go about that? They go to wmmr.com. There's the Team WMMR page uh, for ACS Bikeathon. They can always email me Marcus at wmmr.com, and I'll be happy to answer any questions they have. There's the ACS Bikeathon page, which is acsbike.org. Also, if you get a chance, I recommend there's this place called Hope Lodge here in the area that is funded locally by a lot of the money we raise as bikers. And volunteers go and cook food and cook dinner for the residents there who live about 50, 60 miles from Philly but are receiving cancer treatment. It's a place for them and a caregiver to stay for free. It's an incredible um yeah, I, I love how this is not just a, a one day thing for you, that it's that it's literally a year round thing for, for you personally, as well as a lot of the guys and, and girls on, on your team. I, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And Marcus, I know we mentioned your jersey. It's really, really cool. Um, did you say people can just buy that? Yeah, they can. Oh, um, where do they do that? And it's at, uh, you have to go to the, the links directly at the WMMR.com bikeathon page. page. Okay, cool. And it's vo- if you go to volet.com, you can search Team WMMR and it'll get you there as I want to well. get one for yeah. my dad. All right. Oh. And they have kid sizes as well. Yeah. You can get kid sizes too if you have kids who ride. All right. Last question, because I would love yeah. to give a shout out to the member on your team that finishes the fastest. Who usually is, is that? I don't know. There are a couple of guys that are super beasts that just join that never say anything and then just start and finish um <laughs> there are a couple people like dave thompson who won the camp cardboard classic who's ridden with us for 15 years he's one of those beast riders who does it in like three hours two and a half hours because he's an animal like rides like 20 miles an hour it's 22 insane. miles an hour it's crazy yeah excellent all right so. well uh get the info be a part of it if you if you can you make a donation if not get ready for next year maybe start training now and get Heck stuff yeah Nice. I'm riding with you this year, Casey. Are you? Yep. I'm riding with you this year. Wow. So you ride in full. That's very cool. (laughs) Good luck with everything, buddy. Thank you very much, and thanks everybody, Preston and Steve. You guys have been awesome in your support. Thank you very much. Anytime, Marcus in the darkest. The ACS Bikeathon is on Sunday, and like I said, the weather's looking great. So we're going to take a break. We will come back in just a moment. Uh, Joining us shortly will be Pete Rose. So stay with us. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Facebook, Twitter, you know, the usual places. Diamond jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Have fun buying jewelry for someone you love and don't hate the price you pay. Feel the difference online at IHateStevenSinger.com with free shipping. Buy real diamonds from a real jeweler. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. All right, thank you very much, Kathy. Uh, We're going to talk to Pete Rose in just a few minutes. He's scheduled to be on in uh, the next uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, So we have a little time to talk about uh, a few other things. And I I jokingly said the other day I was making up another character uh, (laughs) and the city beat. Well, not necessarily a character, but the uh, the city beat. And in case we had some kind of like noir or... You remember you Uh, you pulled that piece of music up the other day? Pounding the pavement now? Well, I, there's there were a couple of local stories that I think right. are, are worth bringing up. I forget what, what character did I? Oh, uh, I don't know it. if it was a character or not, but but we needed we wanted some kind of listen uh, detective private eye music. All we right. subsegment these different things yeah. this way and present. We're basically doing the same stuff, but regurgitating them in, in beautiful little packages. All mm-hmm. right, we have three potentials here. Can we? 
Can this be part of City Beat to, to figure out which... Let we only need a sample of 10 seconds of each. That's not Yeah, bad. I like that. All right, that's one. All right, that's try. one. Then we have a bass walker. <laughs> I like this one, too. Um, I like that. Number two, like yeah, so far. Right, there's one more. Right. Rainy, smoky jazz. Oop, hang on. There we go. Number two. You like number two? Yeah, yeah. I'm with Steve, too. Minimalistic, but gets the impression of right. a of a guy of a of a guy out there pounding the pavement to find out what's going on, getting the lowdown on what's happening in the city. All right, All right so just to give me a second because I just want to at this point eliminate the other two from even existing. All right, and now we're never here. We're we're scrubbing history. Now we're time set. to take a walk on the city beat. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, the man known as the Swiss cheese pervert. Yeah. Was recently in a Berks County courtroom on uh, Tuesday morning. He's Uh, a judge? uh, No, he's not a judge. (laughs) He was facing charges. Oh, of course, for the crime of the cheese thing. Well, he's got a couple things going on. Was Uh, was he ever... uh taken into custody for the cheese thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did time, actually. Um, His name is Christopher Pagano. Uh, And so there's an update uh, on this recently. And in fact, his exclusive interview, first time he's ever actually spoken to the press. Nice. I got this from, uh, I believe I got this from Philly Voice. Let me give the proper credit where it is due. Hey, how are his belly flopping skills? That's a, oh my God, he'd be perfect for the... The Belly Flop Flop Championship of the world, yeah. Brian Hickey of the uh, Philly Voice staff uh, is the one who got this... Got this particular interview. You know, uh, remind people of the story, by the way, of what well, he yeah. was doing. So, so the guy would drive around, and he would approach women, and he had cheese. He had Swiss mm-hmm. cheese, and would ask them if, if they would uh, come and pleasure him. And in fact, I have an exact quote of what he would say. Uh, yeah, he said, uh, Pagano asked a woman, I have a fetish. When a girl sucks cheese off my D, will you do it? <laughs> While holding up a piece of cheese. And somebody, one of the victims, got a picture of him holding up a slice of cheese. By the way, that oh, looks like a fine piece of Swiss cheese. Yeah. Just wasted. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste. What a waste. Although I hate Swiss cheese, so I don't really I care. I Swiss cheese. Okay. Uh, uh, so anyhow, he, he, he got the nickname of the Swiss cheese pervert, and it stuck with him. Uh, and he said in his first exclusive <laughs> interview that it haunts him to this day. Uh, most of it is his fault, he said, but he doesn't think that he shoulders all the blame. Okay. He said, I'm not denying that it happened. What I'm saying is how everything was handled is a crime. Uh, the police got involved after the media and uh, made it a lo- and made a lot of noise about it. I consider that a civil rights violation, he says. Preston, in any way does he feel that the Swiss themselves are culpable? He may. He may. Yeah. If so, he didn't indicate it in this particular interview. Uh, he said, being a jackass and doing inappropriate behavior is not criminal. It's not appropriate at all, but it's not criminal. If you're drunk and say, hey, do you want to proposition someone for oral sex, essentially, is what he's saying. It's a phrase that I can't really say. Uh, then you can say, suck my cheese. Then you can say, get the hell out of here. That happened. People thought it was funny. Being an a-hole is not a crime. All right, so, but... Exposing yourself is. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was one of the issues. He said, with the whole thing in my car, my genitals were partially covered by the cheese. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, you know what? He's bringing me around, Preston. I didn't realize that he was covering his naked genitalia with Mm. a slice of Swiss cheese. Mm -hmm. Now it seems sort of wholesome and playful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and so you're... (laughs) This guy's married, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His His wife was with him in court. Believe it or not, to a cheesemonger. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
He said, but when the media got a hold of it and turned it into what they turned it into, the police had to react harshly. He said, I understand weirdness and kink sells and draws attention. He's right. Yeah, he is right. Uh, According to the non-traffic citation issued to him, (laughs) uh, he had asked the woman, I have a fetish when a girl sucks cheese off my D, will you do it? Uh, The victim whose name was not made publicly publicly known uh, called police. Uh, the case landed him behind bars for two months, so he did his time. All right, a quick question here. Were you to engage in a in this similar style of kink, what would be your cheese of choice? <laughs> mm. oh, I'd go soft cheese, right? Well, I think like a, something that uh, would make great for great oh, press, I mean, Gouda. Why Gouda? <laughs> Why would that goo. make for good? Oh, goo. Oh, okay, um, I didn't goo. think about that. Because it tastes Gouda. Uh, <laughs> Right, yeah. it'd be it'd be your know. great line, your entree line. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. Yeah. What I is would, the most? It, what is the most popular cheese? You're trying to you're trying to convince people to do this. What do you think is the most popular <laughs> cheese likely well, to get a response? You can never go wrong with a good cheddar. I don't <laughs> know, it's pretty straight. I think ahead, you're right? right. I was thinking cheddar but too. When I'm thinking slices of cheese, like he was using here, I oh. would think one that you would that could be able to be wrapped into a tube shape. You sure. can't do that with you know, cubes of cheddar. You no, couldn't do you that with can't. cubes of cheddar. Yeah. Cheddar's too. It's, it breaks too easily. Uh, Swiss is a little more malleable, maybe uh, a little provolone. I'm not a fan of provolone flavor. I think it's a little bland. I do. I agree. But for wrapping it on my junk, it might be a good option. It would have to provolone. be thinly sliced. But guys, this is American Jack. I'm going with American cheese. How about American Mon- cheese. How about Monterey Jack? Mm. Mm. Too Pe- spicy. Or Pepper Jack. Pepper oh, Jack. It's Jack almost like figging. You it's know, like it'd be figging. a little spicy. Yeah, you get a little bit of a burn. Yeah. You know, it's a shame when you uh, Google this guy's name. There is another guy with the same name, and he's a doctor. He's a uh, oh, Harvard-trained clinical psychologist. Uh, this poor guy. <laughs> seriously. Wow. It's like Billy Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, there are a variety of cheese. The soft cheese, I think, might be a little tough, though, Nick. Yeah, I'm just uh, thinking. I was thinking more, and uh, forgive me because uh, well, you guys. This are, is a, a bizarre hypothetical. I grant you that. No, no, no. I, I, your question was right. My brain went to which cheese would I prefer <laughs> to have sex with, and I was thinking a soft cheese, and a, the, oh. so I'm thinking like a camembert. Oh, no, what, no. what about a grated cheese? Uh, uh, Parmesan. No. That'd be difficult. No, no, you wouldn't want parm. But I, with, everywhere with a camembert, there's a, there's a crust on the outside, and mm-hmm. uh, I put way too much thought into. You know this what? Already. A lot of people are texting in is uh, whiz. It's not uh, cheese, though. Now, it applies very easily, and it has a bit of um, that's adhesion. A, that's a food stuff. That's yeah. a cheese product. It's not I mean, cheese. Are you going to be serious about this or what? Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, listen, whipped cream is used all the time, so you could use that, like, cheese in a, in a, in a can. Oh. What's that called? Cheese in a can. <laughs> easy cheese. Cheese. Easy, cheese. easy cheese. Easy cheese, which we used at Keenan's, yep. yeah, and I had to expense. Uh, somebody had texted in and said, uh, American singles wrapped for your protection. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. they are, I'm and ribbed, perhaps, for someone's pleasure. But it's a little possible. thick. That's. I mean, you, you still want the sensation. What, one and final thicker, question. Yeah, the thicker the cheese, the less the sensation. Okay. What deli meat do you pair with it? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um... Thinly sliced turkey, thinly sliced ham. Mm, ham. Ham. Ham's a little more interesting than turkey. Shoot, maybe. Yeah. Right. Uh, what would you uh, put on your genitals? 215-263-WM. <laughs> really? No, not really. I was No, kidding. but this guy, listen, he wants to he wants to sort of claim victim here. But the problem is, is is you were you weren't in a club, you weren't in a kink club or anything like that. These yeah. are these are just regular people on the street and that, that is... you're exposing yourself to. And that's wrong, and that and you're exactly right on that issue. He was driving around, he rolled down the window, and that was an affront. That was 
That's the issue here. If he were in a club known for being a kinky club, he's right. It yeah. would have been within the, the, the context, the you proper have context. The, you have the internet. So he said uh, he's addressed a social anxiety disorder that triggered a flight or fight or flight response, sometimes triggered by talking to a woman. Medication therapy and meditation have helped him discover better impulse control. He likened battling those urges to being a drug addict. He said, the reason I got over it is because I didn't want to hurt anyone. He said, it's not a sex offender thing. It was an addiction. Inappropriate behavior was my rush. Hmm. So that's like these people that expose themselves, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. They get they a say. rush from it. They get a rush out of being inappropriate or... You know, well, there, therein lies the essence of the uh, of the kinkiness. I guess it's like people... Uh, well, I mean, he gets a rush. Oh, I don't think he gets a sexual thing out of it. Like but the maybe band? A, well, no. No, not like uh. the band. No, um... Yeah, like but- maybe like like people who like being an a hole who like being a jerk they kind of get a rush out of that. You Do you know think it's I mean? the they, same? They, well, no, well, because he says he is- it's not sexual. So, oh, I don't okay. Know. What? Oh, he said it's not sexual. He said it's not a sex offender thing. It was an addiction. Inappropriate behavior was my rush. Yeah. yeah so-, so I still think it's sexual in nature. He was getting aroused from it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he was getting aroused from well, it. Well, didn't wait in, in the car. How high was the cheese stain to go? Was he? He's on the stick. I, I thought he was in the in the car. I thought that was part of it. I, I don't think, know. I don't know. Maybe it probably is. All right. So I'm just uh, trying to see another argument for this. Well, You're there, trying to back this guy. There, you like the cheese pervert. There is an argument here, and so I don't. It's not just the cheese and 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 uh, crackers. and and crackers and uh, sexual stuff happening with the cheese on. It's not just, it, but it's all of it. All right. So I want to put it to you in this in the, in this context. So. Um, heroin if, if addicts. If the court will indulge me. If they, please indulge me here. So heroin addicts, it's for them, it's obviously, you know, about the but high, you, but it's not just about the high. Really? The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you talk to them, it's the whole thing ar- that is all around it. The, the copying of the drugs. Like, you know, so they get like. That whole uh, thing is part of the rush? There, There's a like a huge rush from like going to wherever they're going to go. Let's just say it's in, you know, in, in, in Philly. They know they're going there, and then and that gets them all jazzed the up. The endorphins. Then, it, then it's the actual, you know, the, the buying of it, the purchasing of it, and then huh. like the preparing of it. Like all of that mm. gets them off, and then it it climaxes with with you know the, the actual high. high itself. So mm-hmm. maybe this it's all encompassing. So compare and contrast this guy with mm-hmm. the pickle sucker. <laughs> well, the pickle oh, sucker's it, not. Uh, I don't. Never, he's not exposing he himself. Didn't do, no, right. He didn't not. do anything wrong. He's he just. He didn't do anything illegal, just driving down, sucking Suck on a pickle. Sucking on a pickle. Uh, a pickle. <laughs> and he never got busted. That was a, a big mystery as to who that person was. And why was. he was wow. sucking on a pickle. It was a yellow neon, right? Yes. No, no, no. The yellow the neon was the guy that I saw. Uh, he was the whacker. mad whacker. And he That's was right. fully, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody fully. Tech- yeah, somebody texted in earlier that uh, the pickle sucker, the cheese guy, and the mad whacker need to get together and form the pervy <laughs> Avengers of Philadelphia. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you're yeah, right. Great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Or like, like, a, like, like their version of the Cannonball Run. Uh, hang on, somebody worked with the cheese guy. Oh, I got to go to this phone call. I, I assume <laughs> Is this real. It's the dude that we're talking about. I don't know. Hi, Glenn. You're on the air. Hey guys, hey. how's everything going? Good. So, I, uh, yeah, you guys worked uh, talking about the uh, cheese, uh, cheese guy. I actually worked with him at a Pizza Hut. Okay. How long ago? 
Uh, was ninety four, ninety five. Okay. If you tell me he was in charge of the pea, the cheese, I'll freak the hell out. Seriously. What what kind what what kind of guy was he? Was he normal? What was the what was your? And mind you, we're just we don't we don't know you, so we're just we're we're taking your word on this. But but what what what's your assessment of the guy? He was definitely a weird dude, and I realized that the one time I walked into the kitchen area and he was humping the make table. <laughs> no, come on, dude. <laughs> we had no way. <laughs> No way to confirm this, deny it. We. I would, I would like to believe it. By the way, I, I, I choose to believe it. If I had access to cheese and dough, I'd be banging we were, the dough. Yeah. We were low on cheese. So oh. He was kind of stabbing at air, but. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's a, that's Bye, a Thank you, Glenn. The story is 100% real. I, I do appreciate it. that, though. That was a good good story. But dough, dough would be good. Dough, dough was dough what you can I, mold I, and yeah. Yeah. You could make it you could make it Logical. a bread version of what you really want. Right. Tell me what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see the part uncooked dough, raw dough? Oh yeah. yeah. No. Okay. I was trying to move it on. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Did, Did you see, see the part where uh he said his wife and his daughter really can't go anywhere. People just harass Yeah, them. yeah, he said that uh, he said I'll, I'll read the rest of his quote. So this is the, the only interview this guy's done. He said, my mother supported me, but I've been ostracized by other members of my family. I lost job opportunities. I'm a person facing injustice because of how that story just blew up. Looking back, he regrets what happened to his family because of his actions. He said, my wife can't go anywhere without getting harassed about it. My daughter can't go anywhere without getting harassed about it. People think it's all a big joke, but it isn't. Our lives have been destroyed because of all the attention. How would you know... How I mean, how would you know the rela- the relationship? A also by doing this interview, he reignites this. Yeah. Just word, again, well, I mean, word gets out. Word gets and and you know those those communities are are, are close. Or you know, and if you were to leave said community, if, well, that's if you, if you he, really you you could leave the area. That's where what the, he has to do. The cheese is uh, this is not a national story. He unfortunately he needs, go out west. Not only needs to leave the area, but he needs to change his name yeah. if he wants to, you know, have any sort of like. Or just go by that doctor from Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but that's his, not what, me. I, I, I do hear that from time to time. The, the old argument of just leave and start your life over, but it's, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's damn near impossible. Right, but he said, depending on your scenario, he said he's been ostracized by family members. Yeah, and like. Yeah. It might it, it might be hard. It might be difficult, but it might be a, the best option. It might be the best option. Yeah. Or honestly, has he been approached for any endorsement deals? You would hope so. Stop. Stop. Something Stop. right. Yeah. No. All right. Anyhow, uh, one other story because I know we have uh, Pete Rose coming up in a little bit. But uh, on the city beat, this is out of Philadelphia. The Mutter Museum of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia is getting a $25 million expansion done to it. Yeah. So they're basically right now, from what I understand, busting at the seams with what they have, right? Yeah. So uh, they're going to double the size of the 5,000-square-foot museum, uh, add endowed staff positions, and put the college's junior fellow program on a firm financial footing as well. And I've I've been to the Murray Museum twice, I think, and... It's pretty wild. It's definitely something way different to go check out. Absolutely. Now, they're uh, making the, that huge colon a log ride, right? Uh, <laughs> I, well, I don't know about that. I went but, to a wedding reception there. At the Mutter Museum. Fantastic. Okay. Great wedding and a cool place to do it. It's a 17.7. They've already raised about $17.7 million for it. Wow. Uh, not just construction funds, but support for the Junior Fellows, a three-year program for Philadelphia high school students from uh, undeserved communities, which is pretty cool. They've, uh, they've Undeserved? Created- uh, underserved? Yeah. Is it, what did I say? Undeserved? From, uh, yeah, underserved. Okay. Sorry about that. 
Uh, and also, uh, they've uh, uh, they have a couple of positions that have already been endowed: huh. a curator and a librarian. And they're doing a head of education program and all that stuff, which is pretty cool, man. I've never been. It's really, it it is, it's weird to say that it's a blast, but it sort of is because you're seeing all these medical anomalies and there, there are things and just, there's just a fascinating, I I don't think there's any place like it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, when I was moving here to work, uh, I saw an article about it in Rolling Stone magazine. There you go. And I was like, well, this, I've got to check this out. I'm, you know, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. I I do have to admit the soap lady kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. It's. I haven't been either, Casey. Oh, really? Yeah. You want to go with okay. me? Nah. No. <laughs> Sounds go- like she's interested. Thanks, though. <laughs> Do you want to go separate? <laughs> well, I'm going to go, and I'll let you know how it is. All right, cool. Listen, when they when they get the, the expansion done and up and running and everything, I'm sure we'll have the gang in from uh, the Mutter Museum to yeah, uh, give cool. us the details on because I would like to go to that. All right, we have a guest on the line, an absolute legend, one of the all-time greats. We're really playing the hustle? I don't know. Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle. <laughs> Uh, but he has a book out, and the book, there's a signing that is going to be taking place tonight at the Doylestown Bookshop, 7 p.m., and the title of the book is Play Hungry, The Making of a Baseball Player. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mr. Pete Rose yeah! is on the line. Good morning, Pete. How you guys doing? We are doing wonderful. How about yourself? Well, we're just... Uh... Closing down here a little book tour and yeah. going to your your fine city tonight and then over to Cincinnati tomorrow and back home. Well, Pete, right. I, 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 I've had a chance to uh, to read some of the, the excerpts of, of the book. And what I love to do is, is when I don't have a chance to read an entire book before a guest comes on, if it's a memoir, I like to just open it up to a random page and see what I get into it. It gives me just an idea of, what, sample, yeah. of what to expect uh, in the book. And so... I, I flipped just randomly to page 85, and immediately I get into a story about you guys, you and some friends going to a bar. Uh, it was a, a gay wedding at a bar, and there was a, a penis on top of the cake. And, you know, I'm like, I'm in. I, I am in. The dude has got stories galore. If and no, that, What happened there is... Uh... Uh, we were in the instructional league. We're, we're, you're, 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 your kid's 20, 21 years old, and you're not in the big leagues yet. And you, you played in Florida in the instructional league, and it was all day games. And we didn't have much money. We were making 186 bucks cash every two weeks. Wow. And we used to go into this uh, place called Jimmy Weiss that was a gay bar. And the reason we went in there is because nobody bothered us, and they had a pool table. Okay. There you go. We would, uh, me, and, me, and my, me and my roommate would play pool, and he was a pretty good pool player. And we just become friends with all the guys that patronized that place. And one night they asked us uh, to go to a gay wedding, and they brought a cake in. And the cake was a real long cake. <laughs> Shaped like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, you talk about a good party, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, they were, they were fun people. They didn't bother nobody, and and uh, we got along good with them. So we went there every night to play pool, and, and, and no one bothered us. And uh, it was just uh, part of growing up, I guess. You and that say. was in the 1960s, right, Pete? Yeah. Well, before I made the big leagues, I made wow. it in 63. Wow. So it had to be... Uh, we're, we're instructional league sixty one or sixty two. Wow, I, I, I wanted to ask you because I know a good part of the book has to do with your dad, who was 
Um, yeah. a very important, and, and you're talking about the making of a baseball player, and you basically credit his his ath- his ethic as an athlete with having a major influence on on you. Describe what your dad did for you, and and what he's the bar he set for you. Well, first of all, I was very fortunate because my father was a great athlete, and uh, you know when you're raised when you're raised in the '40s and the '50s. Uh, you didn't have computers, you didn't have iPads, you didn't have cell phones. We had sports. And I just happened to be, uh, be lucky enough to have a father who was a great football player, uh, a good baseball player, and a good basketball player. And I was the ball boy, the bat boy, and and the water boy. And uh, everywhere, it seemed like I, every time I turned around, I was going to a sporting event. My dad was really fundamentally sound, and he taught me the right way to play. And he was very aggressive. He was very uh, punctual. He was very enthusiastic, and I think when you're around someone like that, uh, that's probably the reason I played the way I played. It, it's it's amazing the kind of influence, and it's you know when, you, when you're being taught by your dad and you're picking up these things. A lot of times, a kid will rebel naturally against um, you know uh, their their dad or whatever. It comes to that point, but you um, he he made a, a substantial impact on you. And I was reading in an interview, you said. Um, if if he had have been around, you know, he probably would have been able to sort of dissuade you from the mistakes you made in, in your life. And you said you've been very candid about the, you know, the the, the gambling thing. You said he probably would have yeah. kicked your ass if, and stopped you from probably doing that. That's, that's the way. Yeah, that's the way he was. But but there again, uh, I don't think he'd ever knew uh, what I was doing. Right. Uh, unless I told him. Unless I told him because. Uh, <clears throat> what I was doing, I was doing. No one in the clubhouse knew. No players knew. No coaches knew. No clubhouse guys knew. You know, I was the only one that knew. So I kind of kept that quiet. And uh, but there again, uh, you know, if he'd ever found out, he would have. He would have been pissed. No question about it. And uh, he was a straight arrow guy, and uh, and he's the only guy I've ever idolized. And I've met seven presidents. Yeah, uh, I respect a lot of people, but B. Um, Rose. Uh, you know, Pete Rose Senior is the only person I've ever idolized in my life. That's that. That's great. I was I was watching an interview with you, and you were talking about you just breaking down the, the the mechanics of 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 batting and all this stuff. And it's so clear you at, even at this point you just adore this game. And um and you also made it clear that it's your adoration of the game and and your involvement with it and and keeping up on the players that even despite the Hall of Fame situation that that. You know, you're 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 a big profit for the game, and you get out there, and you still feel connected in that way. So that at this point, the Hall of Fame for you is really not the issue. It might have been a while ago. You're right about that. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to get on your show or any other show and complain about not being in Cooperstown uh, because I'm the one that screwed up. I'm the one that messed it up. So uh, you have to live with what happened and. And I made the Reds Hall of Fame. I got a statue at the ballpark. I yeah. got my number retired. And, and don't forget, guys, that's my hometown. Yeah. Although I did enjoy my five years in Philadelphia. Well, we won a World Series. We went to two of them, actually. We went to the playoffs. And <clears throat> made a lot of people happy in Philadelphia in 1980 when we won the World Series for the first time in 86 years. But if I'm, if I'm ever able to go to the Hall of Fame, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. But... Uh, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life worrying about it. Right. Yeah. Now it's listen. It's, I'm over it, I guess you should say I'm over it. Yeah. I've been spending 30 years. 
That's a pretty long time, guys. Yes. There will be a day when it happens. Yes. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, you're you're one of the all-time greatest ever, most hits in a career, most singles, most games played, most at-bats. It goes on and on. So there's no doubt in my mind you will be. One of the things I was surprised, uh, Pete, though, is that you weren't, as a kid, you weren't really a natural at it. You had to, you had to work really hard to get to your ability, and that surprises me because it, it almost always seems nowadays that the people that rise to the top are the ones that at the very beginning show, you know, that stand out, but that necessarily wasn't you? Well, I had I had hand-eye coordination. I mean, you got to be yeah. that to be able to hit a baseball. But uh, my problem when I was a kid, I was always the smallest kid on the team. And when I graduated from high school, I weighed about 158. And two years later, uh, when I made the big leagues, two years and two months later, uh, I weighed 202. So I really matured uh, late in my life, just like my dad did and a couple of my uncles did. So uh, my uncle, the buddy uh, from Dayton, Ohio, who signed me to a contract, convinced the Reds that I would grow. I always was enthusiastic. I always was aggressive. Uh, but I was just small. And then... I start growing and I start growing. I was a late bloomer, you might say. And uh, and uh, when I grew, when I grew up, I, I become a pretty good baseball player just by uh, always always being the first one at the ballpark and the last one to leave. Um, I wanted to ask you because obviously you have an incredibly impressive uh, you know, batting record. What was uh, what was the one pitch that was the bane of your existence? Well, the, the easiest the easiest pitch the one is the one that looks like a beach ball. <laughs> and, not, and, the, and, the, and the hardest pitch is the one that looks like a buffering. <laughs> okay, uh, buffering. But uh, like, good. no, there was no particular. You know, and, and another thing, and another thing, my dad did that really, really was uh, important in my uh, growing up as a baseball player is uh, he went to the coach when I was nine years old, and he told the coach he wanted me to be a switch batter, mm. and he said uh, if. When, when there's a right-hander pitching, I want Pete to bat left-handed and vice versa. Wow. And my pact with you is he'll never miss a, a practice and he'll never miss a game. You know how a lot of times uh, back in the 60s and 50s, uh, you go on vacation and the kid would make the champ- miss a championship game. That wasn't going to happen with my dad. Yeah. Uh, hey- because, of that, because of that, I never in my life, never in my life growing up ever went on a vacation. No wow. wow. All right. That's, uh... uh that sucks. You, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you regret that at all, or are you kind of proud of that fact? No, not at all. Because, okay. Because uh, I started going on vacations nine years ago <laughs> uh, when myself and my fiance started going to uh, Diamante, which is in Cabo. Okay. My buddy designed a, a big resort there, and we go there a couple times a year because the, the stepkids play golf, and they got... Uh, Two two golf courses there, and we just go there for a week, and nice. and uh, I caddy and uh, play golf every day. <laughs> you caddy, awesome. huh? So nice. I've been to Japan. I've been I've been to Japan. I've been to Guam. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Dominican. I've been to Venezuela. But uh, it was always to play ball or to do yeah. you know do yeah. an appearance. Yeah. Hey, I I have to ask this question because uh, I saw this quote recently, and I thought it meant something else. And it was the fact that you were saying about the great Joe DiMaggio was a penis attached to a man. Now I thought I thought that meant that that Joe was a jerk, uh, but that doesn't mean that, does it, Pete? No, 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 no. Joe, Joe was uh, 
Joe is woo. Joe is this. <laughs> Joe is gifted. I don't know. How, I don't know how he. I don't know how he hit fifty six in a row carrying that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh That's all. Awesome. Well, he got Marilyn Monroe. I get. Back in '67, I got a call from the State Department and they asked me to go to Vietnam. And I said, "Well, there's a war going on there." He said, "Well, Joe DiMaggio's going." I said, "Why well, get to meet him?" He said, "You'll get to live with him for 23 days." So Joe and I and Tony Canigliaro and Jerry Coleman and Bob Fischel went. And when we got to Saigon, they broke us up in two groups. Joe and I went south. They went north. We ended up meeting them on the Intrepid, which is docked over in New York at the present time. Yeah. And all you can hear is boom, boom, mortars going off. And every fourth bullet out of the helicopter, we're on a hill, a valley, another hill. And Joe says, i got to take a shower. And I said, Joe, we're in the middle of the damn jungle. He said, I don't give a damn. I'm Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> so the only way you could take a shower is a guy had to get up on a chair, me, and pour water into this canvas thing, me, okay. and pull this chain. Oh my God. And the guy underneath took the shower. All right. And that's when I knew it. he was a penis with a man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, I don't even know how to follow. I was going to ask something completely <laughs> no, different. It doesn't matter now. Okay, we're just moving on. I, 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 I got two words to say. Yeah. Poor Marilyn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I think we get the uh, point. Wow. Oh, I, so, so, um, so, so, Pete, I don't know. For whatever that's, reason. That's a good description. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. All right, so for whatever reason, um, you know, call it sports science or evolution or whatever, you know, professional athletes are bigger, stronger, and faster than they've ever been. However, I feel like in ba- – like, so, so you ask a, a professional football player or basketball player, you know, uh, of your era if they could compete in today's leagues, and, and a lot of them would say no. Um, however, in baseball, do you think, uh, you know, in, you and your prime today would be as good in, in today's MLB as, as you were in, in your MLB? With that pitch in their face in the day, you'd be a 300 hitter. No kidding. You, you, so you think that you think the pitching's worse? You, is someone going to tell me? Is someone going to tell me that <clears throat> if if Willie Mays or Hank Aaron was playing today or Stan Musial, they weren't going to be stars? All these guys do is just drop their back foot and try to hit home runs. I so, mean, that's, uh, that's all they do. And let me tell you another thing that helps them. And I'm not and I'm not begrudging the players now because they have to they have to work with what they got. Yeah. And what I mean by that is. Half of the ballparks today are jokes. Yeah, you know you can't you can't pitch in Camden Yards. You can't pitch in Philadelphia, Cincinnati, um, uh, you know Colorado. Houston is a joke. I mean, if you ever go to some of these ballparks, the fences are so short it's unbelievable. Baseball wants Hall of Fame. They want um, you know they want these home runs, and they're getting them. They're getting them, and uh, it's 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 not good for the game because the strikeouts strikeouts are up. Home runs are up, and attendance is down. Yeah. That's not a good thing for baseball for the attendance to be down. Yeah, yeah. good point. Chicks dig the longbow, though, Pete. Um, I want to ask you, what um, is your biggest regret? What If you could go back and change anything, what would I'll that be? Baseball. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have did it. But uh, unfortunately, this is a world we live in, and what you, what you do is what you get, and you have to live with it, and you have to go on with your life and try to be a better person. I think a lot of people look at this, though, and know there's a lot of people, you know, God bless for whatever reason, they're in the Hall of Fame, and, and they, they use performance-enhancing drugs, and they blah, 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 and there's a, you know, a lot of people in there with infractions and things that occurred that were against the rules, and so they look at you, and they're saying, why not, Pete? But as Preston pointed out, I think we all have every confidence that at some point mm-hmm. you will be in the in the Hall of Fame, and, and but as you said earlier, oh. when it happens, it happens. I appreciate that. 
those kind words, and you guys have a great day, okay? All right, we appreciate it, Pete. Thank you so much. Promoting the new book, Play Hungry, the Making of a Baseball Player, book signing at the Doylestown Bookshop tonight at 7 o'clock. Thank you so much, okay. Pete Rose, guys. Yeah! yeah. Uh, so keep in mind, if you do go to uh, the Doylestown Bookshop, um, that uh, he'll be signing the book. You have to purchase the book. Uh, and I told you, man, I just I cracked it open and went right to that story about the penis cake. It's hilarious. So you know it's got to be loaded. Maybe it was a model after Joe DiMaggio. Now maybe, that we know. Yeah, maybe yeah. so. Oh my God, poor Marilyn. Poor Marilyn. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, you, oh, you always wondered because I mean, Joe DiMaggio was obviously a legend and, and an American icon. Yeah. But he was a little goofy looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. how did he get Marilyn? Well, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I want to take a break, but not before I give away some beverages. I have a case of Yard Summer Crush right now. We'll take call number 18215263WMMR. Yard Summer Crush is an easy drink and flavorful wheat beer with a juicy citrus finish. It's perfect for to bring every summer celebration. Pick up a case of Summer Crush at Joe Canal's Discount Liquor Outlet in Rio Grande, New Jersey. 215263WMMR. You have to be at least 21 to get it. We're going to come back in a moment. Uh, Jack White on the program shortly and guitarist Paul Gilbert in our studio. We'll be right back. 93.3 WMMR, everything that rocks, proudly supports the American Cancer Society Bikeathon. Hey, it's Marcus. Join me in the fight against cancer and ride with Team WMMR in the American Cancer Society Bikeathon. The ride is Sunday, June 9th. This family-friendly biking event is a blast and starts off with you riding your bike over the Ben Franklin Bridge, and then we all end up together on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. There are also a few starting points in New Jersey for a shorter ride if you don't feel like doing the full 66.6. Each Team WMMR rider gets the free team t-shirt. Registration and complete details at WMMR.com. If riding isn't your thing, you can also pay it forward as a volunteer. All the details, WMMR.com. The ACS Bikeathon. Another way 93.3 WMMR is putting Philly first. Abby, we are going to change up the order of stuff here in just a moment because in about 15 minutes, uh, we're going to get a call from Jack White, uh, which is really cool. It uh, doesn't happen a lot. No, he, he does, does not. not do a lot of interviews. Yep, and uh, promoting the Rack on Tour's new album, Help a Stranger, which is coming out on the 21st. We'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes. And then on the heels of that, we're going to have uh, amazing guitarist uh, Paul Gilbert uh, in our studio, and he's going to be performing at the Ardmore Music Hall. So we got these back-to-back things coming up. So we're going to do the Bizarre File now, and then we're going to talk to Jack White, and then we're going to break, and then we're going to come back and have All Paul right. on. So we're just changing up a All little bit. Right. So yeah. if you normally count on these benchmarks uh, on your drive-in, it's going to be a little bit off. I could imagine Pierre spitting out his coffee when he hears this. <laughs> thing. Oh, my God! Pierre wakes up and he and he judges when to leave his house <laughs> by what segment we're on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I think he usually wakes for music news. Okay, oh, music news. All right. So, uh, hey, by the way, we have a new uh, Daily Rush video that is up, and the title is Snookle. Uh, yeah. It's a short one, though, but it's good. The description says, a new Nick clip is born, <laughs> Snookle. Uh, and you can watch it now at the uh, at PrestonSteve.com and is sponsored by our friends at uh, Punchline Philly Comedy Club Restaurant and Bar. So if you haven't seen that yet, make sure you go. Snookle. Oh, there you go. That was it. That was the moment that we, that it was born. Snookle. Snookle. All right, let's do the Bizarre File. Now, bizarre. WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre File. All right, I have more stories. Let's start with a uh, pretty disturbing one, actually. 
Uh, and Steve, this is right out of Deliverance. Oh a, boy! A group of high school students in uh, Alabama recently, they were recent graduates. They said they were attacked, beaten, and threatened with rape on a weekend float trip down a North Alabama river. Collins Nelson, 18 years old, and several other students met reporters at his attorney's office. Uh, and their attorney, Will League, said that Nelson suffered a broken nose and a broken eye socket that will require surgery. He is suing for damages and will seek felony arrest warrants against his alleged attackers. Nelson said that he and his friends were out on the Flint River. A girl with the group said that there were nine boys and five girls in their party. The group had beer in their coolers, but they were not drunk. Nelson said that a man paddling behind them was heckling the group and calling him a sissy boy. Uh, The teens said they responded, calling the man the same thing, but then decided to try to get away after the man threatened one of the girls with rape and said (laughs) that he and his friends would see them downriver. Jesus. Uh, Nelson said, we proceeded to go down the river a little more and hear his friends running through the woods telling us just to be ready. When they got to a bank with sandbars, the other group ran into the water. He said, and it was just chaos from there. Flipping our kayaks, flipped my kayak. Some man put me in a headlock and proceeded to beat my face. Whoa! Nelson said that he was attacked by two men and held underwater, and he didn't remember or uh, didn't remember the the fight much beyond that. Nelson said the students finally got moving down river with the other group following them. Uh, they tried to get help from four groups of adults on the river. He said that it, it took about four tries, and we reached somebody, and he was helping us, and the people that did this uh, to us still went by heckling us. A 16-year-old girl said she heard the man threaten to rape one of the girls the first during the first conversation and said they decided to go ahead and soon saw a large group of men and women running up and down the bank yelling animal, animal noises, and we're, we got you. And uh, she managed to paddle past the fight. It's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, but they ended up getting some of them beating the crap out of them. So anyhow, uh, somebody on the river called police who were waiting when they finally made it to their takeout point. A police spokesman said the responding officers did not see evidence of serious injury, making the case a misdemeanor. But they said they're going to follow up on this and try to get these guys on a felony. That's pretty scary. A New York City supermarket owner was arrested and charged with arson after he was allegedly uh, threatened by another store's prices... So much so that he set the competing shop on fire. Hmm. Wow. A video from the incident shows the co-owner. Now that's how you get competitive. Of Deshi Bazaar in Queens walking the aisles of his competitor's store, Premium Supermarket in Brooklyn, pushing a cart full of an unknown flammable material. (laughs) Uh, The man was reportedly wearing blue latex gloves when he lit the material on fire and then left. Witnesses close to the alleged... Time for a fire sale. Fire starters say that he frequently complained about the other store's prices hurting his business. And he will face a minimum five-year jail sentence if he's convicted. Their prices were so low, we burned them down. That's exactly what it was like, yeah. A woman pulled a gun on a man inside of a Mexican restaurant in southeast Austin during an argument over who would be up next for karaoke. Uh-huh. This happened just before 1 a.m. on Sunday. The Unbelievable. woman identified as 41-year-old Doris uh, Godoy uh, was with her girlfriend at a bar when the confrontation began over the karaoke machine in the restaurant. Godoy told police that she pulled out her pistol to calm the man down after he called her bad names. But she said she never pointed it at the man. But the man told officers that after the argument began, Godoy struck him in the face, pulled the gun out, and pointed it directly at him. A waitress at the restaurant tried to grab Godoy from behind by pinning her arms down. Uh, She broke free, turned around, and held the gun to the waitress' stomach, saying, I will effing kill you. Uh, Godoy's girlfriend was able to calm her down enough for the pair to to pay and leave. 
And around this time, police arrived and arrested Godoy for assaulting the man and pointing a deadly weapon at him. Well, karaoke is fairly serious. Uh, she was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, by the way. so I mean, there's singing involved. Uh, there is singing yeah. involved. Keep this in mind. An apparent tiff about an unflushed toilet overflowed into a dispute involving a swinging plunger. A 58-year-old woman identified as the victim said that her roommate, Trovon Patterson, spat on her. She said the discord began as Patterson refused to flush the toilet after using it. Uh, that would piss me off. Uh, the 58-year-old woman reported telling Patterson a number of times to flush and said that he started spewing expletives and spitting on her. She advised that... That's uh, the roommate. Uh, she picked up a plunger and began swinging it at Patterson to keep him away. Uh, the woman said uh, that he spit, uh, spit hit her face and hair. Preston, I don't want to get graphic, but are we talking mainly tinkle or poo-poo? They didn't indicate. <laughs> because if it was pee, I couldn't see it be a worthy of, you know, swinging a plunger. But you never know, man. Look at how pissed off people get over karaoke. Uh, Patterson appeared to dump blame on the 58-year-old woman. He told investigators that he expectorated on her after she attacked him with a cooking pot. <laughs> in the end, Patterson was issued a... Maybe it's time to go your separate ways. ...notice to appear in court on a battery charge. The report does not state whether the toilet ended up getting flushed or not. A man is in jail after one last hurrah with police. Now, hurrah! Early, early Saturday morning, an Indiana State police trooper pulled over a black pickup truck for not stopping at a stop sign. The driver also had his head out of the window and was yelling hurrah at people. Now, Trooper Madry had the driver, Edward Wilbur, get out of his truck. That's when Wilbur kept yelling hurrah and punched Madry. Oh, the trooper got Wilbur in an arm lock, but Wilbur got away, yelled hurrah again, and got back in his truck and drove away. The ju- just the hurrah would have been fine. Yeah. Madry drove after Wilbur, and that's when Wilbur got out of his truck and ran away into some woods. Wait, I- is he yelling hurrah or hurrah? Do you know what case? I don't know. Hurrah! Yeah. It's spelled H-O-O-R-A-H. Hoorah. That's, it might be, I don't know if it's the, uh, yeah. Or yippee. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's doing the scent of a woman. Hoorah. Yeah. Uh, or not, but it was, it seemed like the thing to do at the it, time. It really was. <laughs> uh, the department found uh, Wilbur at a bar. They arrested him and took him uh, to the county jail where officers say he fell to the ground in a fetal position and continued to yell. Uh, Wilbur is facing numerous charges after this incident. A new, a newly announced game that offers players the experience of getting to know Stalin a little too immediately, ha- or intimately, I should say, has drawn a range of reactions, including the ire of Russian communists. You get to bang Stalin? Who have vowed to fight its release, yes. Uh, huh. The global game distributor, Steam, announced the release of the bluntly named Sex with Stalin. Mustache rides. A single-player BDSM <laughs> simulation. Uh, the, play, the player assuming the role of a young time traveler is given a chance to change the course of history and, as the game's developers say in broken English, show that mustache guy what real love is. Okay, Preston, mm-hmm. you have your choice. Oh. Stalin or Rasputin? Wow. Well, Rasputin oh. was apparently hung like a horse. That's the deal. So, so what can you handle, bro? <laughs> Probably Stalin. <laughs> I'm not a size guy. <laughs> Uh, so, the strategically censored screenshots accompanying the announcement show Stalin's animated image in various stages of undress positions and locations. Uh, one picture shows the crudely drawn naked Soviet leader gesturing at the viewer. 
Uh, Maxim Sirakin, head of the Communist of Russia Party, called the adult-themed games developers insane, and he said this has to be banned. No question. The title itself already sounds outrageous and pervaded, or perverted. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Sorek- hey, this is like that other game, Words, words with Hitler. Uh, Sorakin said that uh, the developers, whose only other release appears to be something called Boobs Saga, <laughs> uh, released last winter, could be held criminally liable for the contentious game. Wow. Now so, it just got real. Yeah, they, uh, they they want it to be banned, and they want some uh, criminal charges. Well, Russia has a, the history of uh, video games. They, that's where Tetris came from. Is it really? Tetris I know the, was, I know the music created in Russia. Yes, I know the music is uh, Russian in nature. I think it's Tchaikovsky, isn't it? Is oh. it? They yeah. might, might very. Oh, well. I, I thought the game itself was invented by a Russian. Uh, it may very gamer, well have yeah. been. Maybe right. Rasputin himself. And that <laughs> Soviet Russian game designer Alexei Leonidovich, I... or Leonidovich, something like that. There you go, Pajnatov. Can you find out what the piece of music is? Sure. In that Nick. Ding 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 Tchaikovsky was in Dr. Spin, and then he went solo. <laughs> oh. By what? the way, uh, has anybody watched uh, Black Mirror yet? I watched the no. first one. Okay, because... Holy crap. If, I mean, Tetris is in it for a half You're of a right. second. You're right. Um, but it's it's about VR, virtual reality. Ooh. Okay. Anthony Mackie stars in the first one. And really? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's so good. I mean, everybody that's in it is so good, but Case, it just it messed with me all day yesterday in, in a great way. I mean, I, I, I love VR that show. Games. I watched two episodes of Black Mirror and two episodes of Handmaids. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, my God, you're way Look ahead at of you. me. I can't, I'm not going to be able to. We, we uh, so Handmaid's Tale. I will, my wife and I watched together. Me too. And we did. We did. We had too many things going on yesterday. We have family come. We have st- too much going on today. We got an appearance tonight. We have family coming in tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to watch it for a couple of days, which sucks. My wife and I watch Game of Thrones together, except she watches it by herself. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you you guys think that, you watch yeah, it together? Yeah, that agreement worked out. <laughs> Uh, that the one episode of Black Mirror Metalhead mm-hmm. that still is probably I mean the, the series has been unrelentingly great. That one episode though, you talk about the the chill that hangs with you after watching it. Nick Metalhead is the one, yeah, especially with what they're doing at Boston Dynamics. Well, oh they, they all do in different ways, and the, and the one that I watched yesterday, the Anthony Mackie one, it really uh, combines in such an interesting, futuristic, strange way, which is really the premise of so many of the episodes of the show. But in this one, it's virtual reality meets sex meets gender meets. Uh, attraction, ver- gay versus straight, and and it's uh, it's mesmerizing in the way that they're able to tell a story that makes you think in this kind of a way. Wow, cool. Right. Well, those are up and uh, running, and all of the episodes are up. I think there's only three, which uh, okay. which is too bad that this season is so short. Uh, but there's I, only three episodes the entire season. Yeah. Wow, really? Uh, are you sure? Wow, and I'm not positive, but because I'm the, pretty sure. I'm two episodes in. I uh, uh, the Miley Cyrus episode was the. Uh, the one that I haven't gotten to yet, but I could have sworn that there was more. No, I okay. think there's only three. Oh, right. man. Uh, well, listen, we got a couple of minutes. Uh, Marissa's working on getting uh, Jack White. She just gave me the uh, the two-minute signal, uh, or, or at least she's saying peace, bro, or something. I don't know, but uh, two-minute signal, I think, is what it is. By the way, in, yep. in England, that's like the middle finger, by the way. If you're if 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 it's ba- backwards, if the back backwards. of your hand is facing mm-hmm. towards someone, the peace you, sign is, you go like this. Yeah, yeah. Peace is usually palm forward, but in England, you took the back of your hand with the split, 
And that's the FU, correct? Mm-hmm. I yeah. believe so. Uh, well, while we have a minute to kill, uh, I did. Have you guys? Okay. These the social media challenge things <laughs> are stupid. I hate them. This one looks kind of funny, though. Oh, uh, yeah? The vacuum challenge. <laughs> no, 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 no. What no. is it? It doesn't have to do with vacuuming your floor okay. or anything like that. Oh, I wasn't thinking about my floor. So you you put somebody inside of like a plastic bag, like a trash bag. Yeah. And then you attach a vacuum to it and sucks all the air out of it. Oh, uh, no way. Doesn't that like suffocate them? Well, it, they're saying this is not a good idea. <laughs> okay. That it could kill you. Why not just set them on fire? But your head is sticking out though. Oh, oh, well, yeah, that's okay. That's kind of um, cool. But that that would not rob your body of oxygen, obviously. No, 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 no. But but what it does, it, it, it tightens up and, and constricts you. Oh. And it looks pretty funny. Well, I've actually, seen... there's that, that, yes, there is that. Okay, we're looking at it right <laughs> it now. It, like, vacuum packs you. Oh. There, okay. We can do this. Let's do this. We should do that. All right, yeah. then let's. After we... we just said it could kill you. Well, well, listen, we'll try you first. Could. <laughs> Leaves a margin. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and, no. Kathy, yeah. we're professionals. That's true. Yeah, yeah right. man, Trust us. We can do this. We are radio professionals, and we know how to do this. Yeah, so, and we should do it while we're eating Tide Pods, Preston. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, I'll read the description exactly. You climb into a, a garbage bag with your head sticking out. You let another person suck the air out with a vacuum. Often it becomes so tight that the person topples over. Oh, there's probably the issue for injury. So we'll Uh, put a helmet on the person. So we'll put them out on the edge of the building. Yes, smart. (laughs) No, it says here that the experts warn that the challenge can lead to cerebral hypoxia. Oh, okay. A condition that's... uh, Then we'll get an intern to do it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's even smarter. (laughs) A condition that leads to a decrease of oxygen supplied to the brain. Oh, jeez. Despite the presence of adequate blood flow. How does that happen? How tight? Can't, it, you it, can't get. Well, it must be getting that tight. I find this bizarre to believe that there's somebody wearing clothes that you, that you could, if you ever vacuum seal food, there's not one, there's. Yeah. Not one scintilla of space between the sealed item and the plastic. Right. I cannot imagine a regular standard garbage bag could get that close or that tight on someone's body. Well, and it looks like as soon as you stop the vacuum, because there is uh, air, some air getting in, as soon as you stop the vacuum, it releases. So you yeah. just can't do it for too long. That's yeah, all. Yeah, it's, it's not a 100% seal on that. So, all right, we may have to give that a shot. Did you guys ever have one of those food sealers? No. My neighbor did. Went we, crazy with it yeah. and then threw it out. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I never, we, we had one, we barely used it. And and I, I got tired of it after a while. I am a, a complete sucker for as seen on TV stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, I will take it out for. I I it, um, I just don't. I'm an easy mark, and I am easily seduced, especially when it comes to sealing food and products. <laughs> I have been intrigued by the ones where you seal clothing. Yes. We have those two. And it shrinks everything down. Those are awesome to throw out eventually. Okay. (laughs) I figured it'd be the same thing. Use it a couple times, like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. That or the clothes? The clothes. No, they keep the clothes just throughout the bags because eventually they get a leak in them and then you Uh, have these big puffed bags of uselessness. All right. Yeah. Uh, Well, our guest is on the line. Awesome. And I'm excited to talk to him. I absolutely, positively. Love the new song uh, that we've been playing. So good. From the Rack on Tours, uh, Sunday Driver. Yeah. It's, it's, and I'm not a one listen guy. And the first time I heard this, I'm like, this song rules. Uh, but uh, not just Rack on Tours, obviously, White Stripe solo work. Uh, he's, he's done so much and is a multi talented individual. And we are so happy to welcome to the show Mr. Jack White. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jack, good morning. Oh, wait a minute. 
I didn't have the button hit. Okay. Hey, Jack, are you there? I'm there. How are hey, you? Sorry yeah. about that, man. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you giving us some time today. Yeah, nice to talk to you guys. Um, listen, I've got to, uh, li- there's a lot we want to talk to you about. So much. Uh, but I think it was really cool to see that you and uh, Jack Black finally got together <laughs> and uh, and had a moment. You know, it's been uh, a long time coming for the rest of the world to know <laughs> that we've been friends for 20 years. <laughs> we never took a photo together. Yeah. We yeah. never took a photo together. That's funny. Yeah, yeah it, it had been, it, it was, everybody was freaking out the fact that you guys did finally get that photo together. But you have, you have known each other. I know way back when, it might have been like in 2000. Six that that Jack introduced uh, the White Stripes at uh, uh, at the MTV Awards. I think it was. Uh, is that where you guys yeah. met? That is where we met. Yeah, um, I just, that's what I remember where we met. And then he introduced the White Stripes again a few years later at a, a live show wow. we did at Tower Records, but with the old Tower Records on Sunset. And then, uh, yeah, we've been friends since then. It was, he's a great guy. That's cool. Listen, at the top of the interview, you know, I, I talked about the various bands and projects and things that you've you've had throughout your career. Um, what, is there is there a little voice in you that that tells you, hey, it's it's time to uh, to get back to this, or it's time to move on to this project? How do you know when it's right to to begin something? I guess I'm I'm really fortunate that I don't have to do the, any of those things. Like uh, I think back, you know, if I had been an artist in the '60s or '70s, they would have said, no, you can only be in this one project, this one band, and and you have to do a record every year and all that stuff. So I've been lucky to to not have to have to do anything. So it is just sort of deciding uh, when it feels right for everybody involved. And, mm. and that was uh, the Raconteurs. It was kind of strange. We didn't expect it to take that long. I, I thought, I think we only talk, thought it was going to be a couple of years, but uh, yeah, we, after the last Raconteurs album, Third Man Records opened up. So that's what's been, at, that's what's been put a lot of stuff on my table for the last 10 years, uh, Third Man. And uh, so that's, I, I think it's sort of my fault. <laughs> well, you know, you, you you impress me as a, as a classic Renaissance man. But a lot of times, when an artist gets the label of a Renaissance man or woman, uh, you know, there's a perception of oh, this sort of pompous and so on and so forth. But you're not. You're you're the stuff that you get involved in. You sense there's a genuine zeal uh, for what you're doing, whether it be the you know the the records and the love of vinyl. I love I love your attention to to detail. And I was watching a video. Uh, it, it sort of went viral. Uh, of you using an FM broadcaster in the yeah. mixing process to broadcast out to your car to hear how a, a mix was was uh, sounding. And I, I love that because I stop mixing. I do production as well, just for, on a radio level, not to the level that you do. But I stopped doing it in the headphones a long time ago because that's not the way people are going to be listening to what it, the way it's coming out. What? When did you have that epiphany to start doing that? Yeah, it's sort of, uh, it was given to me as a present. I, I talked to my, Jack Lawrence, who plays bass in the Raconteurs, I'd said that, you know, I heard that the Motown guys used to broadcast and go out to their car in the parking lot oh. outside of Motown to, to see what it sounded like. And we were, we thought, oh, yeah, that's a big deal. We Everyone does that. We all listen to, we take a CD or a cassette or whatever it was. We always take it out to the car and listen to it. Most most bands do that. But um, the idea that I, the twist I was trying to put on it for the last few years was broadcasting and then talking to the engineer while you're listening through a walkie-talkie <laughs> and mixing the record uh-huh. while you're listening to it. That's so, so that's, cool. That's what changes it up. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's, in, you, you, that's ingenious. You don't know what it's going to sound like. Uh, 
You don't know what it's going to sound like, I guess. And, like, if you hear a kick drum in the studio speakers, you have gigantic woofers or something. Oh, the kick drum sounds loud, but then you go out to a car speaker, you might not even hear the kick drum. Yeah. So you have to you have to test on different things like that. So, yeah, it works out good. Has, has that dramatically influenced? I mean, are, are, are you finding yourself happier now and, and going through less of those, oh, my God, you can't even hear that moments because of doing this? Yeah, because um, it's very funny because I used to do this in my last car, and then I got a Tesla a few years ago, and my, I remember my friend was saying, you know, your, your albums are going to dramatically change now because the sound of the Tesla is so different. <laughs> sound system. So people can mark your <laughs> – if you listen closely, you can see the moment where I start mixing the songs in a Tesla. <laughs> the the, the Tesla period, right. yes. Uh, yeah. So, Jack, I'm, uh, I'm five days older than you, so just make sure uh, that you respect your elders as I uh, ask <laughs> I you this know, question. Um, yes. No. But it's interesting because I think um, you know, you know, just reading up on you, you credit um, Brian Muldoon with with exposing you to punk music, and you know, you and I were listening to the current music of the, of the time, and and but I do remember those specific people that introduced me to it, you know, different types and different kinds of music, and there has been a lot of different innovations over the years, and is it crazy to you? To hear that you are an innovator uh, in you know popular music today, that's kind of you to say that. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I, I just you know when you're younger, you listen to what what's around you, and then if you're lucky enough to have mentors or people to look up to, you like the things they like. I had a lot of brothers and sisters. I have nine older brothers and sisters, so they turned me on to a lot of different kinds of music. None of them were really that much into punk, so it wasn't until I worked at a upholstery shop with the uh, by Muldoon, where he started playing me punk music as a teenager. That's where I got into that whole new side of things. And then the blues, a uh, deep love for the blues came after that. So it was kind of nice, but I think most of that did come from, yeah, looking up to uh, other people, you know, and uh, like, just just liking what they liked. And then you figure out, as you grow older, what's good about it, what, what you can relate to and what you can't. But when you're younger, you just sort of like what your mentor is like. Yeah. Jack, I wanted to ask about that that upholstery um, part of your life. You you work yeah. and you are apparently very good at it. And and mm. uh, you picked up some, um, some uh, um, attributes or at least philosophies that you've applied later to music production. I want to bring up, I, I was reading in an interview, uh, something about the three staples. Um, and yeah. do, do you know what I'm talking about and how you apply yeah. that to music? Could you explain that? Oh, that was sort of like a, the, sort of like a moment I had when I was first learning upholstery. It was like I put three staples on a piece of fabric. And I, I, to me, it sort of felt like it was left, middle, cent, you know, left, middle, right. Uh, there was a minimal amount you could keep a piece of fabric on the side of a chair. Right. And I thought, oh, that's, that's a real uh, good way to look at it. That's, if those three staples were, that's enough to call it done. And um, it, and then from then on, you make it more and more interesting and more perfect or something like that. I still do a poster. I still have my shop in Nashville. I rebuilt it in Nashville. So it's something I do in, in my spare time. Uh, Jack, I wanted to <clears throat> ask about... Um... Uh, uh, Sunday Driver, because like I said, when I first heard that, um, yeah. I, I fell in love with the song immediately. And I, and I also hear a little bit, and I want to hear if, I, if I'm off the mark or not. With that title, Sunday Driver, um, you know, obviously Drive My Car from the Beatles mentions that line. Um, yeah. and, and I hear the riff in the song, and I hear almost a little nod to that. That riff that you came up with, is it kind of a nod to Drive My Car? 
Yeah, I think you're onto something there because we we had just, that was the only word I had in there when we were just jamming it. I I I had written the riff, but I I, I hadn't really written written the vocal. So the band was playing along with me, and I, you have like what's called a scratch. Uh, vocal yep. in the studio where you have a, a microphone up from up by my mouth, but it, and it's sort of recording, but it's not a, a finished take. So it's just so if I come up with any ideas, you just do it. But we're mostly recording the music, and I just kept saying, "Here comes the Sunday driver." I, I don't know why I said that. <sighs> and then I said, uh, "I did a little lick that kind of seemed like a like a day tripper yeah. kind of riff there too." But then it's kind of nice. You you just take sometimes you just take a little idea or a word or a phrase, and then it launches off of that. And then the song sort of became about a guy who's sort of. Uh, He's he's feeling protective of his sister getting picked up for a date, and, <laughs> okay. and then Brendan wrote his whole part in the middle, like let's go for a drive. That whole middle eight section is Brendan, and it kind of occurred to me like, wow, that's that's the boyfriend's version of the story. Like there's, there's nothing going on here. We're just going for yeah. a ride. So, and you were right; it was day tripper, not drive my car. I had the yeah. wrong song there. But listen, I want to compliment you on. I believe that you know there there are, there are several different kinds of songwriters and and guitarists out there. There are people that can shred. There are people uh, that that play with a lot of emotion. There are people that come up with riffs, and you have the gift of riff. I think you've written so many songs, you know, and I could I could rattle off a bunch of them, you know, like uh, Seven Nation Army and and uh, uh, and Icky Thump that that have this iconic thing that that grabs you. Um, when those come to you. Do you immediately need to record them, remember them, have them ready to go, save them for another time, or does the song kind of play out right then and there to you? It's funny. I think it's, it sort of takes some kind of imagination because I remember those uh, riffs you just mentioned, playing them for people around me when I came up with them, and people thinking they weren't very interesting. You know, it's, huh. it's sort of like, you know, if you play them on an acoustic guitar for someone, they, they only hear it as the acoustic guitar you're playing for them. They're not imagining it. Like, you almost have to say, because I don't really think people listen to disclaimers, you know? Like, if you say, imagine this is a loud electric guitar with reverb on it. <laughs> right. and like, people are like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, go ahead, go ahead, play it. <laughs> you know, they, they, so you're, uh, so I think that's where songwriting and maybe some of that stuff, it comes in handy is, is um, being able to say, play a song, uh, a melody on a piano, and to be able to imagine what it could possibly sound like at its best or most intense moment or something like that. And then if you're able to figure out some tricks to make that come to life, then, then you're sort of getting onto something, I guess. Uh, Jack, you're uh, 11 days older than me, so automatically <laughs> I look up to you and respect your opinion. Because <laughs> um, he's an elder. Because yeah, you're an elder, you yeah. respect your elders. Yeah, I always respect my elders. I wanted to ask you uh, about your love of, of baseball, uh, particularly the Tigers, and, and uh, your favorite yeah. place to, to go see a game, your favorite place to maybe play. Um, any stadiums that come to mind? Well, I have to. I still have to go to the, uh, the Philly Stadium because um, I, it's one of those. Like, I only have six left that I haven't been to. Wow! So, uh, and you guys have uh, uh, Harper now, right? So, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's a great ballpark. We're biased, of course, but it really is one of the best in the bigs. Yeah, I can't wait to check that out. Uh, yeah, I got like about six left. I got Tampa Bay. I haven't been. <laughs> you can to skip that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta go to. I gotta go to all of them. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and um, what's it? Washington Nationals. I haven't been there yet. So I gotta do like a kind of an East Coast run and get the rest of those done. But uh, yeah, the um, yeah, the, the Tigers aren't doing so good this year though. <laughs> That's all right. There's always time. Hey, I, I want to ask. You know, speaking of professional sports. Uh, what is it like? Because I was watching the Stanley Cup Finals the other day, and for for whatever reason, and you hear this all the time, I heard twenty thousand fans in St. Louis going, "Oh, oh, 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 oh!" Yeah, yeah. and that, yeah. like, how crazy is that for you to hear? It's wild because um, 
when it first started happening was about, I think, 2005 era, somewhere around there, when the Italian World Cup uh, soccer team started doing that uh, in Europe. And um, we thought, oh, that was so great. Meg and I both thought that was, wow, how, how cool. And But we thought this was just that one moment in time and it was going to go away you know, in a few months. And it's, what is it now, 15 years later, and it's happening in sports every sport across yeah. the world. I mean, you see like a, a little league game, they do it, or hockey, basketball, and baseball. So it's it's crazy because you can't really plan to do something like that. that just That's just sort of folk music in a way because it's people chanting something. They don't know where it came from. They don't know who wrote it, and they don't care, which is great. That's the way it should be. And um it's just a, it's it's it puts a smile on my face every time I hear it. It's, I have, it's so amazing. obviously we we love the music, love the raconteurs, love everything. But I have to tell you and be honest, we quote and or play <laughs> your clip from a walk hard. Oh my god! Uh, all, <laughs> the all the time, the time. Yeah. it yeah. cracks us the f up. How did oh, you man. end up in Walk Hard as Elvis, the Karate yeah. Master? The that was uh, John C. Riley had called me up and asked me, hey, would you mind playing Elvis in this movie? And he started to explain the whole movie to me, and I thought, oh, that's that's pretty funny, but that's a dangerous little thing to do. I don't know if I'd be any good at that, and I, I could just make a fool of myself. You know, I'm, I, I told him, like, hey, we can try it, man, but if it's no good, don't put it in the movie, you know, because yeah. uh, you want me to come out the next day. Would you come out to L.A. tomorrow and come film this? I'm like, okay, I think it was the next day. Maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, yeah, it came out, and it was uh, great because I wish everyone could see all the outtakes from that. Because oh. they're so – it's so funny, all the things we did. And I did that kind of like talking like that nonsense. Like, <laughs> I did that for like – there was a couple of takes where I did that for three minutes straight. <laughs> yeah, look out, man. Because <laughs> at some point you're just – it's just gibberish, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Totally, yeah. Oh my god, it's so funny. I, I absolutely love it. Um, you know what? You're you're a big fan of, of guitarists, obviously. And uh, are you currently playing uh, Eddie Van Halen's signature model? Yeah, I actually was doing that um, last year. I did uh, okay. my last solo record. I did uh, the tour. I, I used three guitars that were designed by other guitar players. You know, I did one that was designed by Skunk Baxter. Yeah. Wow, brothers and one. St. Vincent, uh, uh, she designed a guitar for women, and, and I gave it a shot anyways. And and then Van, Van Halen's uh, guitar he designed. So I thought it would be cool to, to see what it would be like to play guitars that other guitar players uh, designed from scratch to, to see what, what elements they like to have in their, in their playing. So that, that, was a, that was a pretty cool experience all around. That's awesome. We've got a, a phenomenal guitar player coming in here in a couple minutes. Paul Gilbert is here, and he's, uh, he's performing hmm. in, in Philly. So... Uh, I, oh, great. Yeah, I, and I know that you, you know, obviously you've been in, uh, you know, It Might Get Loud was it was such a cool documentary and to be able to hang with people like The Edge and, and Jimmy Page and these people I'm sure you've looked up to for years and years has to be a bit surreal that you're now in similar company with them. Yeah, I was wild. I almost felt like I was not old enough to be in that movie when they asked me. <laughs> but uh, they really, uh, I so I was... I had a lot of trepidation about that, even more than the Elvis thing. But so it was, uh, but it was cool because the director really uh, didn't have a plan about what the movie was going to be about, which I really liked. It was sort of let's just see what happens and yeah. let's try some things out. And he let me do a lot of things that I just thought up, like can I build a guitar from scratch and you film it and yeah, yeah let's try it. And uh, so he was really open-minded. So it ended up being there's some interesting moments in there, especially. 
just listening to Jimmy Page talk about huh. uh, the recording techniques that Zeppelin used, that, that's, that's worth its weight right there to watch the movie, just to listen to him. And you seem to thrive on, um, on, on not just uh, current technology, but uh, you really have an appreciation for uh, retro technology and the sounds that can still be gotten from analog and so on. Mm. Um, and do you, have, uh, do you do your own research on that type of thing and, and use those? Because, I mean, while... There, there's something really raw about your sound, but you're not afraid of the, of the current technology as well. There's some sounds where I'm like, "How did he get that?" Um, but yeah, I think you should try to always sort of try to mix the uh, the new and the old together at times and find out what's beautiful about them both. If you, you know, there's there's a lot of there's always new technology coming out no matter what time period you're in. So you're yeah. you're always trying to find things about it that are interesting and that work that are so sort of I guess soulful maybe, and then you sort of discard the rest and then you you try to do the same thing with things from the past, like this amplifier had something good going on about the other ones around it, and eh, not so much. So you just start to, you pay attention to all those kind of things. It's sort of this disease you get when you're <laughs> younger, you, as a musician, if you love music, you start watching bands and what guitars they're using and what microphones they're using, and then you get into a studio and it's the same way. And But the things sort of have to be careful about is to not just go down this road where you only care about gear. Right. You know, because it's very, it's very, um, you know, uh, it, it, draw, it wants to draw you in all the time. It's 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 it's, it's very shiny, and you you could be distracted from being a you know a songwriter or an artist because you can get just obsessed with gear. I know? believe it, and yeah. it, it can draw you in. And, and I remember I was I was re- very reticent to try these analog emulators that you know they'd started to come out, and they're they you know, and, mm. but they started to get better and better. And you're like, okay, because they're, you know, the, you you can't argue with there's a, there's a certain genuine warmth to the sound of a lot of the analog equipment, but you can you can get mm-hmm. you can constrain yourself too much and not you know see the forest for the trees. I wanted to ask you one last yeah. question concerning you worked with Loretta, Loretta Lynn to great effect and you know a legend. Do you do you love taking an artist like that or or, or perhaps the possibility of working with an artist and helping them uh, be their best uh, their be- and have their best expression? Is that something that really excites you? Yeah, it's, if if I can, if I feel like uh, that I can actually help and add something to it by working on it, then I get really inspired. I've been asked to do, you know, produce records by, you know, records that were definitely going to be a number one, ten million record seller, no matter what you put on it. I, and but it just, to, but still, to me, I thought like I can't do anything with this scenario. I mean, I just can't add anything to it. It would right. be nice to say, oh, to say you did it, but it's better to only work on things that really speak to you and they, they feel they feel right. I, I'm, I feel nice with this, to look back over the years and say that to myself in the mirror or whatever. <laughs> I've never really done too much things that I didn't want to do. It was, it's been, and that's a very, very lucky thing to, to be able to say. And if, um, and also those things like Loretta Lynn and those kind of albums, they're risky. They're they're very dangerous, and that's that's a thrilling thing for me is to do dangerous things like that, with the hope that I I have a feeling that the way I'm looking at it, something good could happen from this. But who knows? It could be a disaster. And there's that, that kind of scariness is great when yeah. you think like, oh, this is shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> you know, we got this. We got this. It's gonna no matter. It's gonna be great. And I think those things don't usually work out. Yeah. No, it's cool, and it's cool you you have the opportunity to take chances like that. But we're we're glad uh, Raconteurs uh, got back together. Uh, the new yeah. music, the the actual album is going to drop on June 21st. How many tracks on the uh, on the new album? I think it's 12 songs. Okay. And, um, 
Yeah, it's it's we're really excited about. It. We've been we just got back from Europe and the shows have been just so electric. I mean, it's just teenage crowds and people just moshing and crowd serving. It's really really rock and roll. One of one, nice. one of the best Everywhere shows we've been going. One of the best shows okay. I ever saw. The Rack Hunters. And you you and you guys bring it live. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, listen, we thank you for your time. We know you're a busy man, and, and you got a lot going on. We only scratched the surface of some stuff mm-hmm. to talk about today, but maybe we'll have a, another conversation down the road. Thank you so much for playing uh, my music uh, uh, all these years, and thank you for playing rock and roll as much as you guys do. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you so much. Jack White, guys. Yeah! Wow. Uh, by the way, uh, coming to Pittsburgh August 13th, and Record Tours are going to be playing in New York. At the Hammerstein Ballroom, September 5th and 6th, and the King Theater on September 7th. He is a very nice guy. That's really cool. You know, thoughtful answers. Yeah, um, so yeah. many things. I mean, he really, you look at all the stuff. And even, I mean, would the vinyl resurgence have had any of the traction it had without his advocacy for He's it? He's been a big proponent of it. And we didn't even, there was, a, like I said, there were a number of things we didn't even talk about. We didn't even talk about partying in Nashville, which uh, Kathy was, <laughs> went on a rager recently. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's way into that town. All right, listen, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back in a second. I think I saw Mr. Paul Gilbert. No way! Out ah. in our green room. Amazing guitarist I've always wanted to meet performing at the Ardmore Music Hall tonight. And he'll be in to speak and play in just a little bit. We'll be right back. The Preston and Steve Show Podcast, 93.3 WMMR, everything that rocks. Thank you very much, Kathy. So our next guest is going to be performing at Ardmore Music Hall tonight. I'm playing a little bit of uh, music from his new album, which is titled Behold Electric Guitar, which I absolutely love. Uh, And I'm going to let this play out just a little bit. Try to hit this intro just right at the right time. He's one of the co-creators of the band Mr. Big. He's one of the biggest, most badass guitarists in the world, in my humble opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program, Mr. Paul Gilbert. How you doing, Paul? I'm ready with my thoughtful answers. You're waiting for your thoughtful answers? I'm, I'm ready oh, to, you to are give ready. thoughtful answers after the, after the Jack White review. I've got to do my best. We we, we have every confidence that you'll be uh, thoughtful. Uh, I, I, talking to you before the before this uh, this conversation right now, you presented yourself in a thoughtful manner. So we thank you for that. <laughs> uh, listen, I've been a fan uh, for quite a while. I'm excited to, to have you in and, and finally meet you in person. Uh, <clears throat> I want to explain to some people who may not know the name Paul Gilbert. There, you have a lot of fans. Uh, most guitarists would know who you are. Everybody who knows me knows me. Yeah, exactly. Right. One hundred percent. But I've only had one. I was only famous for two weeks in 1992. So that's, that's... <laughs> not so. Not so. Uh, when I mentioned, I mentioned to my brother, who is a uh, you know was a, was in a uh, a band for a long time, a big uh, guitar fan and the second i mentioned your name he's like oh really so there's there's a big level of excitement and and especially with the the show at the ardmore people are very excited yeah I, I, we played the ardmore last year and it was fantastic so i'm really happy to come back we, of we, course go ahead 
And and last year we we just barely put together my electric guitar version of the Rocky theme. <laughs> How was he, but here, since then we put we got the, like the whole thing and and all the bells and whistles. So it's, really, it's really sounding good now. Yeah, wow. we're hearing a little tease of it as you were warming up. So yeah. that's very cool. Well, I, I I love playing it. I played it every city, but so, uh, especially you, here it, it, it makes more well. sense. It makes sense here. <laughs> so Paul, when I when I do meet people and and we're talking music and and I'll say <clears throat> one of my favorite guitars, you know, this is guy Paul Gilbert. If they're a guitarist, they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Some people don't, and I have to explain. Okay, so, you know, he was in this band, Mr. Big. Before that, there was this band called Racer X. You may or may not know. Metal, real intense, shredding, crazy, really technical, awesome music. But then I try to explain your solo career as well. Good luck. I, and that's, so it, it's hard to quantify it, you know I mean? Because there's elements of, of, of blues and jazz and metal and all this stuff how what's a good way to describe your music well it's it's still evolving and the discovery i made was that i really always wanted to be not a guitar player but a lead singer because when i was a kid those were the records i had my parents had the beatles records and stones and and bands that had lead vocalists and i liked led zeppelin because robert plant had a great voice now i didn't have a particularly great voice and that didn't stop me from trying right but it also didn't stop me from kind of you know, not not doing as well as I would have liked to as a lead singer. So, um, the discovery that I made in this new album, "Behold Electric Guitar," is that I can actually play the vocal line on the guitar. So, you know, take it like a really challenging vocal, like uh, you know, the hey, mama said the way you move, which you know, with my little falsetto is not so great. Right. <laughs> but you know, you play it on guitar. And suddenly, you know, those notes are there. And yep. it's just, you know, it's my responsibility to get them right, but at least I can hit them. You know? Well, I was mentioning to you the song Let That Battery Die, which is on the new album, and that is exactly what I thought. I'm like, it sounds like someone singing. Yeah, well, that's, uh, what, that's and, how I wrote the tunes, was that I would have a lyric, and, you know, that, the initial lyrics for that were like, what was it? Um... My battery's low, but my mind is high. I think, you know, again, I'm squeaking it out. Yeah. But on with the guitar, you know, I can get a lot of control, a nice tone. And so for the first time in my life, I'm actually able to connect my inner melodic generator okay. with an instrument that functions. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is that called, though, when the when the guitar line mimics the the lyric? Because uh, Trey oh, does like, that all the time. Like George well, Benson well, or yeah. something. Something would be scatting. When you yeah. Jazz, you know, when you play... Yeah, yeah. Um, But that's more improvisation, which I do too. Uh, There's a lot of improvisation in the show, but I I, I try to base it on. It's nice to have melodies. I'm a big fan of melodies and and regular songs. And rather than, you know, most guitar players who do the whittly whittly stuff that I do, you know, will go off the deep end with the whittly whittly and have, you know, (laughs) really complicated, impossible to listen to progressive tunes. Yeah. And I'm still a fan of the, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and, and you know, the, the regular rock bands. What? And so now I can step on stage and, and really be the lead singer via my guitar. Okay. Okay. To that point, and, I, and I've seen, like I, I've recounted many times on this uh, show, uh, going with my brother years ago to see Bay Malmsteen and so on and so forth. And technically, very amazing. Um, um, you know, but but there, again, at a certain point, that whittly whittly can become oh. soulless, and and uh, and and you're not that way. You you know you you're there's there's a panacea of 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 stuff that happens when you're playing, and and um, you know that it's uh, again talking to my brother about you and your appearance, saying that you you know. Uh, 
the the thought might have been to lump you in with a lot of these people, but you're not. And, and so, um, you know, would you consider yourself how how important is jazz and 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 that aspect of music in in what you play? Well, well, jazz like and you put any label on it, it's a big label. It's yeah, it is a big label. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things, but to, to me, um, I got into jazz trying to be a better blues guitar player. Right. When, from playing blues, you know, a lot of the guitar players play the same licks. They're good licks. Right, yeah. You know, but if you're a guitar player playing blues, you know, you sort of do the same things. And so I started going back to the, the, the 50s jazz horn players. You know, Duke Ellington and Johnny Hodges was a sax player in his band, and they'd have these really beautiful straight-ahead blues things. It wasn't like weird avant-garde jazz. Real straight-ahead and melodic but different than the way a guitar player would typically phrase. And so that, that's, that's the jazz I got into, was really just people who were, played different instruments playing blues, and I could steal their licks and get different stuff. All right, so um, to play the guitar the way you play the guitar, there, there's, ha- there's got to be a lot of things that work in your favor. Dexterity is one of those things, right? Um, but uh, Preston has shown me a lot of videos of you playing and when you play, I get blown away, and I and I wonder, like, what are you thinking as you're playing these notes? Like, are you thinking, you know, or is it just a feeling that comes over time with a lot of practice? Well, that's a good question. I asked myself the same question, and I realized a lot of the faster stuff is the the musical equivalent of going... Um, and, um, um, you know, just like not knowing what to say. And I fill it in with going, and, and, and when I actually have meaning to what I want to say, that's when it gets more melodic. And I actually, you know, am hearing what I'm, what I'm playing. Do you ever make yourself cry with, uh, with a, a piece of music that you've played? Because yeah. it, it can be very emotional. I, I, I did. And it, it, it was wonderful. And so I'm not going to ask you what you were thinking as you were playing it, but, all right. So it was just the, the music was right. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have a couple of things in common, uh, you and I, Paul. Number one, I have tinnitus, uh, so I've I've hearing issues. I've I've hearing loss, uh, and uh, I'm a musician as well. I play drums. I gave it up because of uh, the hearing issues. It was yeah. doing too much damage. But I've recently uh, found it again because I now play an electronic drum kit and I can put headphones on and I have volume control, which is wonderful. And I've seen you videos, many videos of you playing with with headphones on. Um, do you still do that? Uh, first of all, has that helped you out? Uh, no, I just wear earplugs. Now you just wear earplugs, like in ear monitors, or no, they're just earplugs. Just regular earplugs. No I, kidding. I just, I just try to block out the the loud stuff, and and you know it's still loud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's just not as loud to me. Okay. And, and because of, you know earplugs definitely block out a lot of sound, so I have to know what I'm doing a little more. Which is actually a really good assignment to give, to give yourself. You know, before I would sort of listen as I played and, and make adjustments, and now I kind of have to know from inside. I have to be able to predict where the right notes are. So you know, I don't have a perfect pitch. So I have to you know find my key first. But once that's planted, you know, I can I can hit other notes bef- with, and know what they are in advance. You know, if I want to hit, you know, I, I know where that is. Okay. With, with, with that like. So I can, I can find those before I hit them, rather than hit them and then and then adjust from there. Okay, would All that right. be like the equivalent of like for, I do a lot of uh, audio editing and I can edit without actually hearing it. I'm looking at the waveform and I can sort of see. So you're sort of you're in, in a way you just feel it as more than 
Well, this is this might be more of a dramatic metaphor, but, yeah. but I, I think of it more like a blind person knowing their way around their room because they've memorized where the couch is. Okay, and I have that's I, wild. I, I memorize where the notes are because I, I know in my brain what they sound. And of course, I hear them a little bit. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not totally deaf. Um, but uh, if anything, my hearing loss is just like the treble way, way down. Oh, okay. So you know, I can still tell that red is red. Is I just can't tell if it's you know. What texture it is. Right. Magenta. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then the other thing we have in common is we have collaborated with some of the same artists before. Yes, uh, <laughs> I've had uh, I've had a drum off with Mike Portnoy in this very studio. Yeah. And uh, I'm an honorary member of Steel Panther as well. <laughs> uh, Satch- Satchel gave me a name. My name is Tommy Tom Tom Thompson. That's when, a good name. When I play with the band. But you go back with those guys with Steel Panther, right? Well, well uh, Satchel, I guess he is his official name. Right. Um, we used to, we had a cover band. Cause he, he used to watch my house when I went on tour with Mr. Big. And uh, I'd, I'd get back and I'd have like a week off and we'd go, hey, let's learn some tunes. And we'd, we'd, we'd just, we'd challenge ourselves. We'd learn like 20 songs in a, in a week and go play them somewhere. Yeah. And uh, he, he used to borrow, my, you know, I had my home studio and he'd always make demos that sounded better than mine. Really? <laughs> and and you and Portnoy have done a few projects together. Yellow Matter Custard, the, the Beatles tribute band. Oh, that was a blast. Yeah, it had that to have been. been. Well, Mike, besides being a good drummer, is a really good organizer. So he would he would put together... Uh, the, the Beatles one, he put together a Led Zeppelin one. Uh, we did a one for The Who and one for Rush. Yeah. And surprisingly I, I, enough, you know, Rush, of course, considered to be a, 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 you know, a hard-to-play prog band. That was the easiest one for me to do just because I had played that stuff as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And The Who was the roughest one because you know, all Pete Townsend's chords were, were much higher. They were just sort of different than I was used to. They no the, kidding. They weren't the big, chunky power chords. They are more high up. This rhythm on, on the high part, which, yeah. which sounds great. You know, yeah, that's but, cool. But I, I really had to learn, you know, study to get the Pete Townsend stuff right. Nice. I had uh, I had recently kind of rediscovered you a couple of years ago, uh, thanks to YouTube. I was um, <clears throat> I forgot I'd been searching around guitar players or something like that, and a video of you came up and it said, um, I think it said Paul Gilbert Gilbert handles hecklers, and it was you on stage, I think, in New York, and some people are talking like that, and, and you said something along the lines, you know what, I'm louder than you. <laughs> you just hit a, like an E chord or something like that and shut them up really quick. That's yeah, the power of the electric the guitar. The power <laughs> of the electric guitar. And then it started leading me down a path of, of, of watching other videos of you perform, and I even found some videos of you when you were like a teenager. Uh, because for those who don't know Paul, Paul was a bit of a... Um, uh, a phenom as a, as a kid, like 15, yeah. 16 years old, you started making waves in the world of heavy metal. You know, there were uh, rumors of you maybe playing an Aussies band and so on and so forth. And nowadays, with this video medium, we see all kinds of people that are these virtuosos, these kids that can play like nobody's business. Uh, and it's interesting with, with all of these people who have this ability out there right now um, that we don't really have the guitar heroes like we used to, if you know what I mean. I have no idea what you mean. You have no idea what I mean. <laughs> you know, you know exactly what I mean. Eddie Van Halen in the height of Van Halen, it was like God yeah. status. Well, well, Eddie Van Halen had David Lee Roth. Yeah, and he had Alex. To me, like, you know, those two are are twins. You, know, you you have to have Alex to have Eddie. They they sound so good together. But um, I, I also do a lot of guitar teaching. I have an online guitar school, and, and I've I've given over seven thousand video lessons on that on that school so far. And so I get to watch a lot of young players, and there are are physical trends. Now, I have to be careful because I'm a tall person with big hands. Yes. So I can reach things that 
not everybody can reach. Um, but the, the thing that, that I've sort of become passionate about, and again, this might be sort of arcane guitar stuff, but I am a thumb overer. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you look at any picture, you know, Google Jimi Hendrix or, yeah. or Richie Blackmore or, you know, anybody kind of pre-1985, and they're going to have their thumb hanging way over the guitar because it, it, it makes you strong when you bend a string. <laughs> There and, and bend a string all day. Now, a lot of the modern players are thumb behinders, which, okay. which to me is like, ah! You know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, they have more of a classical technique. You, you never hear a classical person b- bending a string. Now, they may have make, you know, play some beautiful Bach, right. but they're not going to wail away. <laughs> and what's that bad company? It's like, rock steady! <laughs> That's just not going to happen from Segovia. It's, yeah. it's, it's great as great <laughs> So, and then that's what I grew up prim- primarily. You know, my era that I that I really feel that I'm attached to is you know the late '60s when Hendrix came out, and you know Led Zeppelin was born, and Black Sabbath, and then you know into the into the '70s with with Richie Blackmore and Angus Young, and Gary Moore, and of course Van Halen was came out in, in the in the late '70s. Yeah. So um, that that language of guitar. Um, you know, I can't escape it. That's just it's that's the it's the language. That's what I what I speak. And even though I you know learn how to speed things up here and there, uh, hmm. I, still to me the the voice that I speak with is it was born in the seventies and is and, and is best played with a thumb hanging way over the neck. It seems like and, and I've seen videos of you and we're and we're going to get Paul to play here in a moment and he's going to be at Ardmore Music Hall uh, tonight for those who want to go see the show ArdmoreMusic.com. Um, that you, you've really embraced, uh, gone back to, to falling in love with with the blues and playing expressively and so on. Do you uh, and and but but shredding is is kind of what you've been labeled as as well. I mean, your ability, your your technical ability is amazing. Does that bother you at all that that uh, people see you as a guy who could just rip oh, up through what the, a pro- the problems I have? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a. Uh... You know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I get up every day and I play my guitar, and, and you know, it's uh, the, the, the YouTube thing you mentioned is is amazing. Uh, you know, I grew up with albums, so I, I never expected to, to communicate with the world that way. And I do have to mention one of you. You know, if you're in YouTube, there's there's one where I was doing a clinic, and I had this little loop pedal, and I decided to put like the most scary, frightening shred lick that I could ever do inside the loop pedal. So I just pressed the button, and it goes. And I would I would pretend to play with my teeth, <laughs> and, and then I, I would and then I would press that button, and and everybody, the whole audience was like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> and, and, and so of course it, it he's was playing like, with his teeth. Yeah, he's playing you know, sweet picking with his teeth. How did you do that? And it, it was a guitar clinic, so you know, everybody raised their hands and goes like, "How did you? How did you do that with your teeth?" And I said, "Well, you know, it's pretty impressive to do sweet picking with your teeth, but I said it's really impressive to do it." With your ass. Oh, yes. Wipe the guitar. You know, That's on, great. On my backside. That's awesome. And uh, and there's you know it's on you know so if you you know Google my name and and sweep and you know yeah. the beat you know the, right. the ass if you can say that on the radio. I ask, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We're yes. definitely gonna check that out. I love it. Uh, well, are are you gonna play a song for us? What would you like to do? I or? don't know. Well, do you have any requests? Uh, what from the new album? No. Well, I, and, and from anything. From anything. Come on, you you got the the, I, the world is your oyster right now. Um, the theme to what's happening. No. <laughs> you know what I want to play? I play. Since I'm in Philadelphia, I'm a huge fan of Todd Rundgren, so I got to play like the, the, the my, like the Todd Rundgren my, my favorite riff, which is that. Uh... But you know what? It was 
words, you have to be in tune. That's the problem. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you may want to do that. Yeah. And uh, the other, well, of course, there's the Rocky theme. There's, um, there, I, I saw Todd Rundgren play with Daryl Hall on, on YouTube. And that they, was a great, it, I've seen them play together a couple times. They're they, great. They did that, uh, wouldn't, or was it, uh, didn't I blow your mind this time from the, this is Stylistics. They they knew how to dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Paul's in a full suit this morning. Yeah, looking yeah. quite dapper. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I figure if, if, if at least the suit's awake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Then let me um, let me just get some sound and figure out get my sure, bearings. Just, yeah, go let, ahead. Let, let, yeah. let it rip. Well, you know what I got to show you is my slide magnet. Okay. Oh, I, I saw that. I saw it. Too. <laughs> I've got. I, I put a really strong magnet inside my the lower horn of my guitar, so a steel slide will will stick there. Wow! And it makes a very satisfying crisswonk when you put it back. <laughs> I just, but I can grab it really. And in, actually, you know what led to all this was um, there was uh, the, the Janis Joplin tune, Mercedes Benz. Yeah. And which is only her just stomping her foot, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, watch by me and Mercedes Benz. And I, I thought, if I can do that on guitar, you know, then, then I've kind of accomplished something in terms of like trying to get a vocal line because there's no hiding behind the band. I just got to do. You know, that's really different from the typical, you know. <laughs> it sounds like a piranha attack. <laughs> Can you give us but a little I... of the Rocky you were playing before, the Rocky theme? Oh, yeah. Yeah. something uh there is a there's a video of you uh, playing along in the studio to technical difficulties which is a um racer x song uh. amazing piece of instrumental music and, and at the end of it you do this run that just blows me away i, th- I think it's it, it's like classic whittly whittly yeah it is total whittly whittly <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. By the way, have you ever measured how long your pinky is on your left hand? I have not, but well, this, I'm actually I'm cheating today because this guitar has a shorter neck than than most the standard guitar. Oh, really? So, Cheater. You know, I can actually reach from like the, the 12th fret God, beyond how... the end. You know. But again, to, to me, the, the the horizontal stretch is less important than the vertical. You're going to get the thumb over. Okay. And that's you know that, that again, the, having a, little, a smaller guitar is, is is helpful for that. That, yeah. that thumb thing makes sense because they were showing the uh, original director's cut of Woodstock the other uh, night, yeah. and 
I'm looking at Hendricks, and I, the only way to describe it is it's, it's a sexy style of playing. But he's he's you know he's basically giving a handy to the guitar, you know, <laughs> and and it's it's but the, the thumb is constantly you know out there. And I, I now that you mentioned it, I, like yeah, that's that was his style. He was. He was strangling the, uh, the 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 guitar. Well, uh, for some reason, the metaphor I always think of is is having to lift large pieces of furniture. Like if you have to push a refrigerator, you've got to line up your body in such a way we, where you you can give it, you can push it. Yeah. You get your feet against something that's solid, and the same thing when you're pushing a string, you have to kind of get yourself in a position where you can get some power behind it. Is it hard when you talk about teaching and doing the online course and stuff like that? Have you ever taught somebody one-on-one? And is it difficult if you have to have your ability and to have to ratchet down to take a beginner well, I, I I love teaching beginners because there's still hope. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if, if you teach somebody who's been playing a long time, chances they're set in their ways. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it might be really hard to untangle something. Uh, you know, not if they're willing to do it. But right. With, with with beginners, you know, it's a, more of a blank slate, and you can really get people, you know, moving pretty quickly. Right. Uh, with these uh, with with progressive songs uh, that that you put together, the really complex ones. Uh, uh, you know, the, the one that comes to mind. Uh, there's a song called Hurry Up, which is on uh, oh, Get Out yeah. of My Yard. And uh, it is, I, I'm a drummer. I can't figure that thing out. I can't figure out the time signature, where it is, any of that stuff. Do you still remember or do you have to go back and remind yourself of how some of these really complex pieces of music are put together? Uh, I forget a fair amount of it. That, that one has enough of a melody that would it would piece it together. But that was a funny tune because you know, the song is called Hurry Up and it was inspired by Rush. Yeah, and I totally got a Rush vibe from yeah, that, yeah. Rush means hurry up. That's my pun. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed it. But I, but I just, I was like their song Circumstances, though. Yep. And so I just sort of, you know, came up with, took that general structure and put my own notes in. Such a great song. It's the same kind of it's a variation on a theme. Okay. The classical guys used to do that. Speaking of uh, of titles of songs, um, you're, you're great with coming up with them, and yeah, nice and I don't know how you come up with them. Uh, so I'm going I'm to rattle off a few titles yeah, uh, from the new album, which is Behold Electric Guitar. There's I Own a Building is one of them. Uh, Let That Battery Die, which I mentioned a little while ago, and probably my favorite title is Sir... You need to calm down. <laughs> uh, are these? Do you just throw a name on something, or is there, or is there a reason behind oh, them? They're all stories. Okay. Because we had one time we had a group called the Wooten Brothers in here, right? And they had a they had a, a song called "Sex in a Pan," and we're like, "All right, what's that all about?" They were like, "Well." When we were writing it, we had uh, we had breakfast one morning at this place, and the dish was called "Sex in a Pan." We're like, "Well, we'll, we'll name it that." There you go. Yeah. There you go. But but you usually have a story behind. Uh... Yeah, I don't I don't know if the stories are interesting. So, but the, <laughs> the, with, with I own a building that was um, we were doing a uh, video shoot with Mr. Big, and you know what do you do when you do a video shoot? You get a warehouse and you set up your gear and that you know, look cool because you're in a warehouse. So the the owner of the building was there and he loved his building. He was he kept like stopping us and going, "You got to stop. Come up and see the attic." <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> And so I, I got home and I, and and I just I, I I couldn't I couldn't forget this guy. I was like I've never seen somebody so in love with with his something building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my guitar, but he loved his building. And so, <laughs> and so you know all the, the the melodies on the record came from lyrics, and that one was like I own a building and it feels so good to own a building. <laughs> got my name on every brick. An extension of my... And that's right. 
Yes. Well, there is a little bit of spoken word on this with a song called A Herd of Turtles. Oh, yeah. The Herd, the Herd of Turtles was, was a whole poem. And that... and. I didn't really know what to do with it. Okay, I, I don't. I don't write poems a lot. Yeah, and uh, I, I ended up reading it as Ringo Starr. You know, <laughs> I, 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 it just seemed to flow better. I noticed that when I read it, it as Ringo. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but it, that was that was one of the things. It's because it, I, I just read the poem, and then and that goes into this raging funk groove. Like, Got this cooking, you know, funk thing, and then, yeah. then it's just, bonk, you know, stops on a dime. Yeah. And I, I read a verse about, you know, the rabbits that are being eaten and don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's 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 kind of, uh, you know, what you, stream of consciousness, but uh, okay. But I think it, it, you know, emotionally has something there. A couple more titles, real quick. A snake just bit my toe. Mm-hmm. Did that actually happen? That didn't happen, but that was I, I was doing as you do. You have to do photos for the for the album cover. And when I do photos, I can't help myself. I always end up doing these rock faces because you, know, you bend this. Whenever you bend the string with your thumb over the neck, you know it makes you do a rock face. Yeah. And so I was looking at photos, trying to figure out which one should go on the cover. And there was one where I was doing the typical rock face, and I thought, well, what would be the the caption that would go with this? And I thought, it looks like a snake just bit my toe. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and, then, and then I thought that's good, you know, because typically blues can be like, you know, my my. Something horrible happened, and I got the blues because of it. And I thought the snake just bit my toe. Could be that, you know. So. <laughs> okay. The snake just bit my toe, and it just fit right in. Right, wow, well, it, you're sort of deconstructing a lot of these. Uh, these, I know. yeah. <laughs> and then one last one, and I'm curious if this is a nod to Queen. I love my lawnmower. Well, I. I I have a really small lawn. When I grew up, I, I, had, a, I had like an acre yeah. to mow, and it was a, it was a big job. In the summertime, you get all hot, and I didn't have, I had to push mower for a long time. And so my my new lawn is like a postage stamp. And I and I went to Home Depot and I got a um, you know a battery powered lawnmower that rechargeable. Yeah, and it's like and it's done. <laughs> and I got just, just enough where I get the smell of grass to remind yeah. me of when I was a kid. Right. But, but I don't have to spend an hour on it. Yeah. And, and I, I just love it. It's the best lawnmower. <laughs> so it's about loving your lawnmower. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and so the, um, I'm trying to remember what the key is. It's like, well, I love my lawnmower because it's a great lawnmower. Loving all my accessories too. So then I replaced it with guitar, and you know it, yeah. it sounds better because I'm okay. a better guitar player than I'm a singer. Oh, that's great. Um, well, listen, we're, we're gonna have to wrap up. Can we get just a little bit more of, of one more song or um, a song? Wait, what song? What's the song that you really love? That's a, it's a sort of a simple one. You said it's sort of a low key. Or you, you were... Well, I was telling them that uh, "Let That Battery Die" yeah. is just, it's well, a well, beautiful well, song. To, to really properly do these, I need my band. But I, you should, need I, everything, sh- yeah. I should explain, sir. You need to calm down. Yeah, okay, I really want to know. So play, play a bit of that if you. Yeah, that's well. That one is that. Well, first of all, I, I took the idea of Batman, and I just took you know that that kind of rhythm, and then added a little my own riff to it. So. Batman, but just to let you know yeah. how the story, how, yeah. the story came from. And then uh, I had this melody. It was an old melody that nobody's ever heard because it was only big in Japan. But a song called I'm Not Afraid of the Police. And the bridge went like... I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of broken glass. Anyway, that was the melody. I moved it up to... 
I want you to watch my eyebrow. I know you can't see this. <laughs> you can't see this if you're listening to the radio. But the beginning of it is all in a major key, so I've got a major key eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then the end, I decided I need a minor key eyebrow. <laughs> they go down now. You furrow yes. your brow. And that's that. That's a really good way to write because you know, right. if one eyebrow is going on too long, you, you need the, you need some, yeah. some contrast. Yeah. And then of course you know you get there and they need a lick to fill it up. I just sort of spill all these ideas out and glue them together, and then okay. you know, I've got a good band, and it sounds good. And you'll find out tonight at the Ardmore. <laughs> that's right. Hall. Yeah, yes. that's where it'll be. Wow. Uh, well, this is it's really cool. I'm, I'm glad you had time to come in here and say me hello. Me too. You guys are very nice to me, and, and I, I hope the thoughtful answers were, were thoughtful. They, they were, were thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Even more thoughtful than, than Jack White, believe yeah. it or not. Don't tell him, oh, though. We won't. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, listen, uh, continued success. The new album is called Behold the Electric Guitar. And it's it's phenomenal. Listen, whether you're a guitar player or not, uh, Paul Gilbert's music is is absolutely worth getting. I I love I just love your stuff. So thanks for cranking it Thank out. Thank you so much. And and lawnmower lovers of the world, unite, unite, <laughs> please do. <laughs> Paul Gilbert, everybody. Yeah. We'll take a break, and we will be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Here, Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. Steven Singer's Ready for Love Diamond Engagement Rings are ready to go. <laughs> Whether your budget's $500 or $5,000, Steven has the perfect ring for you at the perfect price. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. IHateStevenSinger.com Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Lincoln Park on 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks, 10.50 and the Preston and Steve Show. I know it's 10.50 and we haven't even done the trash and music. <laughs> what the years. hell? I'm sorry. It's all good, though. We had people coming late in the show and Jack White was scheduled for later on in the show. And Paul is such a personable guy. Wonderful guy. I didn't want to stop talking to him. So, But anyhow, we got business to take care of, Pipples, and that's what we're going to do right now. We are going to do today's lesson question. We are going to give away a pair of tickets for a live taping. Of the Comic Book Gurus Podcast, Franklin Institute, Steve Morrison will be your host. And it's Thursday, June 13th at 6 p.m. So the question uh, that we have for you this morning is, uh, who's a whiny bitch and should be eaten by Baby Shark? I think Casey called him a whiny bitch. 215-263-WMMR is from early this morning. Were you listening around 7 o'clock? Who's a whiny bitch and should be eaten by Baby Shark? 215-263-WMMR. While you're calling in, we're going to do the trash. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. All right, Steve, what's some stories you got for us today? Well, Joe Jonas admitting in an interview that getting an apology from Taylor Swift over her putting the details of their breakup in a song did make him feel good. Jonas says the apology made him glad he never recorded his response song called Gangly Slut. Oh, Whoa. oh my Full God. And Fuller House actress Lori Laughlin is reportedly very frustrated at how long her trial is taking in the Varsity Blues case. Still, Laughlin says she's managed to put the two months to good use, getting both a medical and law degree. Hey, and finally, <laughs> Jay-Z is officially in the three-comma club, becoming the first rapper to become a billionaire, according to a new Forbes report. Regardless, JC, Jay-Z says things are still tight, noting that his wife has to work. So. <laughs> and that's your Hollywood trash. All right, we'll see if we can find ourselves an answer this morning. We are looking to see uh, who's a whiny bitch 
and should be eaten by baby shark? And I will go to Matt, see if we can get the answer. Hey, Matt, good morning. Yo, what's going on? Yo, buddy. All right, so who's a whiny bitch and should be eaten by baby shark? That damn Caillou. Caillou. That's correct, Matt. Hang on the line. Get your information. We're going to give you a pair of tickets for a live taping of the Comic Book Gurus Podcast, Franklin Institute, hosted by Mr. Steve Morrison. That's Thursday, June 13th, 6 p.m. And after the podcast, you can tour the exhibit Marvel Universe of Superheroes. Explore Marvel's legacy through immersive set pieces, original artwork, movie props, costumes, and other rare materials. Now open at the Franklin Institute. Tickets and information at fi.edu. Now, Preston and Steve's Music View on 93.3 WMMR. All right, let's uh, roll a couple stories out for you. We'll start with uh, Soundgarden. Live from the Artist's Den will be shown exclusively at IMAX theaters around the world at a special one-night-only event on July 1st. The concert film was taped on February 17, 2013 at a now-legendary 29-song show at the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles. Since become the all-time most requested Soundgarden live show for an official release. Uh, It had concluded a sold-out U.S. winter tour in support of 2012's album King Animal and mixed new songs with classic radio hits and rarities performed live for the first time. The film features 21 songs never before captured in a Soundgarden concert film, including 17 making their first appearance on a live album. So that is coming out on February... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was play, it played February 17th. It's, um, let's see, it's going to be June 17th in L.A., June 8th, and on June 18th. All right, all right. Uh, no, I'm sorry. New York on the 17th. Los Angeles on the 18th, and a screening in Seattle on the 23rd. Let me ask you a question. I want you to be honest. Please. Who are you protecting? <laughs> I'm afraid I can't answer that. All right. Enough said. Blink-182 has confirmed that it will perform its entire 1999 breakthrough album, Enema of the State. <laughs> <laughs> on its upcoming... I'm trying to act natural. Yeah, absolutely, man. You don't want to alert the uh, authorities. Uh, on its upcoming summer tour with rapper Lil Wayne... Lil Wayne, as, so Lil. As bassist uh, Mark Hoppus revealed on Twitter, a new po- <laughs> a new poster advertises that Blink will play the LP in its entirety. The album, which turned 20 last week and was previously played in full at the band's Back to the Beach set earlier this year. Uh, Enema of, of the State was Blink's third studio LP and arrived on June 1st, 1999. Marked the debut of Travis Barker on drums, followed by the departure of original member Scott Rayner. And sold 15 million copies worldwide and generated the massive hit singles, What's My Age Again, All the Small Things, and Adam's Song. So they're going to play the whole thing. Five Finger Death Punch has confirmed that Charlie the Engine Engen is laying down the drum tracks for the band's eighth album. Charlie the Engine Engen? I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. Engen made his uh, live debut with the group during its fall 2018 tour with Breaking Benjamin. He stepped in for original Five Finger drummer Jeremy Spencer who left the band in December. So he's officially the new guy. Jason Hook, a guitarist, uh, described Engen as a beast behind the kit, while guitarist Zoltan Bathory described him as an unbelievable drummer. He's very good. He's good, that guy. Uh, Kirk Hammond of Metallica has named his solo on the song The Unforgiven as his favorite out of the countless numbers of solos that he's recorded and performed with the band over the past 36 years. Hammett cited the uh, process 
of the solo's creation in the studio with producer Bob Rock is the reason that he's so fond of it. He said, I remember showing up to the studio that morning thinking that I was going to play all these certain licks. And then Bob Rock said, that is effing crap. Wow, he doesn't hold back, does he? Yeah, he said, then it was one of the very first times where I just said, just hit the record button and it started to flow out. And I prefer to record my solos that way now because I like the spontaneity of it. Maybe Bob Rock should change his name to Bob Candid. And that's how the solo was pretty much created, he said. So he likes that one the best. And then one last thing, due to popular demand, the Eagles have added a third and final performance in their 1976 Hotel Hotel California album at Las Vegas' MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, Billboard Billboard reported that the the new October 5th date, which follows the previously announced September 27, 28 shows, will go on sale June 14th at 10 a.m. The price is starting at $179. $179. In the band are Don Henley, Joe Walsh, and Timothy B. Schmidt, along with Glenn Fry's son, Deacon, as well as country legend Vince Gill. So they're going to be able to... I would, that would be pretty cool. So see. I know a few people who've, who saw this iteration and said it was excellent. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. I've never been to an Eagles show. However, I was wondering ah! if there are Eagles chants at Eagles shows. Well, I don't know. Not in not when I it's saw them. It's E A G L E S T H E B A N D. Eagles the band. Oh. <laughs> um, it was just like Keenan's. I was so terrible. That I'm like, what did he just spell? I know. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> the band. Eagles the band. Uh, so, case not maybe even a word. maybe here not in Philadelphia word. there might be Eagles chance, okay. but. Probably not in Vegas. No. I think Bachman Turner Overdrive gets that treatment. B-T-O! <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what I got in music news. Let's take a quick break. Quick break. And we'll come right back with the Letter Day Word of the Week prize and uh, Pierre to take you on further through the day. We'll be right back. What's new? Glad you asked. Muse. Everything that rocks. I'm 93.3 WNMR. Pull over Butterfly Wings, President Steve Show. Wow, it's after 11. Five minutes to be more specific. Oh, boy. As we get ready to wrap. I know we haven't gone this late in a while, but uh, we had a number of guests on today. We had some legends on the show today, man. I mean, we started Pete Rose is our first guest today. Freaking Pete Rose. And hilarious stories from Pete Rose yeah. as well. Like the fact that uh, Jolton Joe, Joe DiMaggio. Apparently is swinging down to the kneecaps with his junk. Who freaking knew? I had no idea. Uh, but Pete saw that firsthand. Uh, so thank you to Pete Rose for being on the program. His new book is called Play Hungry, The Making of Baseball Player. He has a, sc- a signing tonight at the Doylestown Bookshop at 7 p.m. You need to purchase the book to get it signed. Uh, but it was really cool to talk to him. And how great was Jack White? Yeah. Really loved that interview. How did you get Jack White? Uh, that was a Called bill- my cousin. <laughs> It was a Bill Weston special. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he lined it up. And uh, super nice guy. Talked about anything and everything that we asked him about. Very thoughtful answers. I missed the interview. Did you ask him why he doesn't play Philly? No. 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 Okay. We were asked not to. We were ask allowed. That. <laughs> okay. Well, really, the, the idea was. asked us that. <laughs> I damn you. Don't you tell me what the mother F I can ask or not. <laughs> 
So, okay. Uh, no, but he talked about everything else. He did mention, though, and you guys heard it, that he wants to play Citizens Bank yeah. Park uh, because Nick had asked him about playing the different ballparks around the country. Wheels are in motion, Preston. Get it out. And the whole, really? Well, I had, I had an idea, and um, the idea is to ask him to throw out the first pitch at a ball game. Okay. He'd never been to this ballpark. It's one of six in the country that he hasn't visited yet, so I've been speaking with John Brazier, and uh, the Phillies are going to extend an official invitation to Jack White, and that would be a reason for him to come back to Philly and maybe start to warm that relationship. I, I think we were the first step in that uh, in that I chain, agree. correct? I, I, I think what happened, and, and I only know offhandedly, but I, I think he had a bad experience here. At a concert. At a concert. And you know what? It, when, when you get to a certain level, sometimes you can say, you know what? I'm just not going to go there anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, and maybe that's what he said. And, and it just takes some time for wounds like that to heal. I don't know specifically what happened. I don't think he's a bad guy at all, right. you know. So I just think there maybe have been some kind of misunderstanding, and and he'll be back around, you know. Aerosmith uh, back in the late seventies, I guess, uh, someone threw a um, an explosive device, uh, some kind of firecracker, on the stage uh, during the performance, and um, they ended the show, and they said they'd never come back to Philly. Ah. Um, and I was it, is there a, a firecracker called a cherry bomb? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're pretty threw, damn powerful too. Yeah, someone threw it on the stage at the Spectrum uh, before my time here, but um, and it pissed them off so bad. I don't think anyone was hurt, but they said we're never coming back to Philly. But it they, seems weird to hold an entire city responsible for one jackass's actions. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but then again, I can also see like because there's been times where I've been like, you know what, I'm never going back there again. Mm-hmm. Even though it maybe was one specific individual, but you're just like, you know what, I'm screw it, I'm right. not going back there A lot there of people again. feel that way about can... Atlantis. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You don't hear much about no, that. No, no one goes uh, anymore. I'm going back. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I don't I don't hold that against him. He was a nice guy, and it was yeah. really cool to have him on. And, and his management asked us not to talk about it, and you know what? Fine. I'd, I'd rather get uh, some great stories about cool. his music and so on. So we did. You attract more bed bugs with Honey. renovating your radio station. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What? That's going to be the That's opening to us. of my show today. Yeah. And, and thank you for uh, letting me spend so much time with Paul Gilbert. I uh, I love that guy. Um, he's he's one of the best guitarists in the world, in my opinion. And uh, he was a very friendly man. So it was cool to have him in here this morning. You guys deserve to spend as much time with anybody as you like. Thanks, man. And now Jackson's coming up, and enjoy the rest of the day with him. Uh, He's going to have a fine afternoon drive home for you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Pierre returns from vacation tomorrow morning. That's right. Mm -hmm. Goodbye, gang. Uh, Rage on. Rage on. (laughs) Thank you, good citizen. You're welcome. F off. Should we (laughs) F off, good citizen. F off, good citizen. (laughs) Shall, Shall we do the letter, sir? Right on. All right. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR. Now, the Daily Letter. All right, and the Preston and Steve show is brought to you today by the letter. C is in carrot. C is in carrot. Carrot. All right. Four Hershey Park tickets and an overnight stay for four. Every Hershey Park ticket is packed with more than 70 attractions, including 14 coasters, an entire water park, and the all-new interactive gaming ride, Reese's Cup Fusion. Uh, you can save on tickets at HersheyPark.com. Hershey Park, happiness is best when shared. So we give that away tomorrow, which is pretty cool. Uh, what's some stuff that you have for the gang today, man? <laughs> we, we will have tickets for Dave Matthews Band. Uh, we'll have uh, Blocks of the Peppers, Dropkick Murphys, Foo Fighters, and Vinyl Cut. It'll be a fun day. Lovely. Uh, let me thank our sponsors, President C. Show, 
brought to you today by Duncan, the official coffee of the President and Steve Show. And the Preston and Steve Show runs on Duncan, and also Acme, the official supermarket of the Preston and Steve Show. Tomorrow on the program, uh, comedian Jimmy O. Yang is going to be in our studio, ah. uh, which is cool. He's from uh, uh, Silicon Valley and Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. Uh, so he'll be in our studio, and uh, we'll have a bunch of stuff to give away, too, as we wrap up the week. That is it. We are done. Rage on. Have a great day. We'll see you later. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. <laughs> I'm Dina Marie, the host of the Twisted Philly podcast. If you enjoy history or ghost stories, true crime tales, legends, or even travel, Twisted Philly has all of it. I'll bring you some of my favorite stories about Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. There's a lot more to us than the Liberty Bell, and some of it is pretty twisted. You can find Twisted Philly at bpodstudios.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.